Well, look who's back. Yeah, good morning. Look who has returned to us. Good to be back. Good to be back. Did you have a nice uh, vacation? Had a wonderful time up in northern Michigan, the Traverse City area there, Sleeping Bear Dunes National Lakeshore. It was just great. Were you, you bet. Were you camping? No, no. We stayed at uh, a hotel that uh, had some uh, property on a beach, mm. and uh, Gilda and I were there and en- very much enjoyed uh, three, four days uh, in that area and saw some friends. A terrific time, and the weather cooperated, too. It was Did you get great. any free stuff? <laughs> the mayor of Traverse City has returned. <laughs> no, we didn't get any free stuff. And I did not go into restaurants saying, oh, maybe you know me. Uh, perhaps you may have heard of me. I don't I know if you've... Uh, table for two for the <laughs> Shawnee party? <laughs> no, nothing like that. I don't believe you. <laughs> Oh, it's so nice to be back. We missed you last week. No, really? Yeah, <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> I got a text from it's a, a polite, friend. It's a polite thing I got to a say. text from a friend saying, oh, Dean's talking about you. So yeah. <laughs> I said, I wrote back and said, I'm not surprised. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's good to be back, though, even though we have... Uh, Rather fall-like weather outside. I don't think I said anything bad about him last week, did I, Andy? No, I think we were just no, mentioning that he wasn't here. Yeah, just said that the atmosphere seems a little more pleasant this week. <laughs> something okay, like, something, like that. something like that. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> no, we're glad you're back. Well, it is good to be back. We though. miss you when you're gone. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I did the far-flung forecast last week. Did it was, you? It was brilliant, by the way. It was brilliant. What, what, well, what was it? I don't remember. I can't remember either. It was that brilliant. <laughs> oh, you know, it's like what I always say. Once that goes down the conveyor belt, <laughs> it's I'm, done. I'm done with it. It's done. Yeah. You really don't remember? I really don't. <laughs> I don't, I don't and you don't you. remember either, Andy? I don't. But it was... Oh, it was brilliant. It was, it was Henry Ford. Oh, yeah. It was Henry Ford. Henry Ford. Dearborn, Michigan? Yeah. Yeah. yeah That's I what don't it was. Know if you've heard he's kind of important in the automobile industry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard, I've heard the name before. It was his birthday or something. Yeah, something happened. happened. Okay. Um, yeah. Maybe the first Model T coming off the assembly mm, line no, or something like so. that. Okay. Well... All right, I'll take your word for it. Henry I, Ford. I worked Wonderful. all week on it. Wonderful. I know that. <laughs> I spent days and days researching it and putting it together and you know, you gotta structure it properly. Yes, so, you do. So the you know, the payoff has to come at the end. You can't mm-hmm. can't give away what you're talking about too early. Mm-hmm. That's right. So it was uh, very tricky, but happy to hand it back over to you this week. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Boy, this weather is just isn't it hard I to know. get I don't like this. It looks fall-like out. Here it is, just the first full week of August. Right. Mm. No. No. Not gonna, are, you, are you awake? Are you, you sound like you're going to sleep in there now. What'd you say? <laughs> hot dogs, hamburgers, spaghetti, spaghetti and meatballs. Sometimes the red hot chili peppers will be headlining, closing out Lala. You mean the big hoot nanny down in Grant Park? The big there. hoot nanny in GP, <laughs> as we like to call it. Hoot nanny in GP. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is the only band that I really wanted to see at Lollapalooza the, this year. And no offense to any of the others. I just 
didn't especially have an interest in any of the others. You know, we all have our musical taste. But I think they put the Red Hot Chili Peppers in for old people. When Okay, define old people now. Us. <laughs> yeah, this, was, this was about 1992-ish, probably. Yeah, that far time. back? Yeah, that song. Ago. Yeah. Wow. Give it away, give it away, That's give it 31 away. 31 years right. old. Then they had Under the Bridge right after Under that. Under the Bridge. I yeah. like that one, too. That's I was playing that back in my I was about uh, to ask. Did you, did you play that in oh, your yeah. DJ days oh, then? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I always liked them. Red Hot. They're, they're Rock and Roll Hall of Famers. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're... Uh, you know, if if you're going to look at the Lollapalooza band uh, band schedule, you know, 90% of the people, you have no idea who they are. Did was, you go see Billie Eilish? I didn't. I was there. The you first, were there? The first day, but I didn't go see her perform. Okay. Because that was late at night. Oh, past your bedtime. When old people should be <laughs> <laughs> I had to be in my rocking chair. Older then. people need their rest. <laughs> so... Yes, sir. Hibbity, dibbity, rock and roll, Billy Eilishly. <laughs> I enjoy. I, I like Billy Eilish music. Well, this is why I asked. But if I would there. I wouldn't stand in a big crowd to watch her perform. If you she, wouldn't be standing out there waving your hands in the air and like I just dancing around, yeah, waving my hands in the air like <laughs> I just don't care. <laughs> no, because I just don't You're care. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, you know, I like her music, but it, she's not somebody I would want to see uh, in concert. Plenty of people were. Oh, I know. Just not my cup of tea. That's what I heard. Uh, Kendrick Lamar, you know, one of the biggest names in music right now. Also, you know, I enjoy his music. Eh, not really want to stand in the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> but Red Hot Chili Peppers, I'm not going to go stand in the crowd, but... <laughs> Of all, of all the headliners, they're the only ones that I had some interest in. Because I'm old. <laughs> and Herman's Hermits were not headlining Herman, Okay, this all right, that was my next question. Yeah. Herman's Hermits there. I always liked Herman's Hermits. I did, too. Yeah. In fact, I saw them live once. Did you really? Yes, I did. Where? In Muncie, Indiana. Okay. And I'm not kidding, yes. Talked with the band. Yeah, they were... Uh, they were there. Um, they were the headliners. Mrs. Brown, you've <laughs> got, got a lovely daughter. <laughs> something tells, tells me I'm into something good. good. That's what a I song was. See a song. Her and she told me I could. So you went to see Herman's Hermits. I always enjoyed their music, um, but I enjoy today's music also. <laughs> I enjoy both. Why can't you like both? You can. You, of course you can. Why can't you like both? You know, yeah. Some people are like, I don't like anything. Andy, did you did you play any Herman's Hermits when you were a, a DJ? No. Oh. No. <laughs> no. That was, that was our era, Shwani. <laughs> and the only reason we played it on the radio is because we were play, or oldies. <laughs> they were oldies when they were. we were starting. Well, yeah, they were, actually. When we were starting, yes, that was uh, that was considered now oldies. Yep. Yep. But I enjoyed them. I, How about the zombies? Did uh, you play any zombies, uh, Andy? Um, no. No? Okay. <laughs> mm, animals? The Yeah. How about Eric Burden and the animals? Um, no. No? Okay. 
this is going to be this is going to be a terrible you know what, show today. You know what? You know what? Andy this told show, me. We are, we are seventeen minutes into the you show today, and already no, it's eighteen like, minutes can, now. Can we play a rerun of the labor show? <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? Andy told me during the commercial break, hmm. he did not know. Who Beauregard Burnside the third? Oh, was with uh, hot dogs, uh, hot hamburgers, dogs, spaghetti, spaghetti, and meatballs. And meatballs. Did not. He did not know what that meant. I'll bet that made me hungry. Many of our uh, listeners are, are, are you know who watch the Garfield Goose Show. They know. They know. Yeah, they know the secret code to wake up Beauregard Burnside. <laughs> the secret the code. Yes, yeah. I was more of, the, of a Ray Rayner guy. I didn't uh, didn't get into the Garfield Goose. Yeah. It was a little before your time. Yeah. I think. All right. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> That's a show star, by the way. I swear we have nothing we, on the show Are we on today. the air yet? <laughs> are we? Is this the rehearsal, or what's going on? <laughs> when we start recording this show, we'll, we'll, we'll all perk up. We'll perk up quite a bit. It's got to uh, be the weather. Got to wait for the it's bright It's got to be the weather. Um, somebody has texted in that Herman's Hermits, uh, Schwani, are playing at the Wisconsin State Fair. Are they really? Great. We should go. We should go, yes. Maybe we can get in for free. You know, we, we do the Sunday morning show. Well, we just plugged it now. And yeah. we just that's right. We did. We're going for journalistic reasons. We're not going Correct. for our own enjoyment. <laughs> like two silhouettes on the shade. Oh what a lovely couple they made. All right, quick. Who was the first group that did that? The song? Rays. Thank you. Yes. The, the Rays. Yes. Did the original version silhouette, of the silhouette, song silhouette, 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 did it. That was one of the first records I ever bought. Uncle Dean, what's a record? <laughs> <laughs> did They're you have? Um, did you have? There's a kind of hush all over the world. I had all their uh, records, all their forty fives. Mm-hmm. I spun them on my pretend radio station. <laughs> So As I, Dean Diamond. Dean Diamond. Dean Diamond. Laying out the, hey, here's Herbert's Herbert's. I'm Henry the Eighth, I am. You should have kept that name. I'm Henry the Eighth, I am. You should have used it. You should have continued I to can use go back. Dean Diamond. I could switch back. <laughs> Dean Diamond. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Did you have. Did you have a picture of yourself no. with a great big smile, you know, like you were there just having the time of your life playing the hits? I do have a picture of myself. Uh, I took a bubble or somebody. <laughs> I didn't take it because you couldn't take selfies back then. But somebody took a picture of me standing at my radio station counter. I had a counter where I had my two record players, my Sears Silvertone record players, uh, and I, I'm holding up like a record album or something, so I would yeah. look, so I would look like a DJ. Sure, yeah. Uh, record album in one hand, microphone in the other. Yeah, um, and I put my uh, my graduation suit on, <laughs> so I would look fancy. My first publicity picture. Yeah, nice. someone took a picture of me cueing a record. Wow! On our on our uh, pretend radio station. For those that don't know, cueing a record is that was a skill. Yeah. It was a skill. That's where you you put the record on the turntable, you know, on the record player. Put the needle on the record as so the, as the song went. Mars the stylus. Put the needle on the, the stylus. Record. Put the needle on the record. It is a, a stylus like this. <laughs> I played uh, that. And then you uh, you turn the uh, turntable until you hear the first sound, then back it off a little bit. So when you start the turntable, 
the song starts immediately. You wanted to make sure that you did not get any wow and flutter when the record began. I have a little wow and flutter myself right <laughs> yeah. now. Were you a quarter turn guy or half turn guy? I was more of a quarter turn. Yeah, guy. me too. Yeah. Dorks. I mean, nothing to anybody. Definitely about. a quarter turn because you wanted to keep everything in sync, right? Yeah. At my at my old radio station, one of my first uh, jobs was to play Casey's Top Forty. Wow. And that was that came to us on vinyl. Yeah. That's how they did it. Yeah. Those days. We had Casey. We had Wolfman Jack yeah. too. On vinyl. You had to be make sure, you had to make sure that you counted the the sides correctly because you didn't want to go from number thirty one to number ten. <laughs> right, right, and yeah, skip. Had yeah. to get them all in order. Uh, let me interrupt this fascinating conversation. No, you did not. Quick. What? What? Just a quick message for producer Jack. Do you come in here uh, and just hit me on the head with a hammer, <laughs> please? What type? I of think stylus, it'd be less less painful than what type of listening to a conversation using? about what kind of stylus did you in use? Your silver tone uh, turntable. Was it a was it a Sears that that was? Uh, of course, it was a Sears that, that fit the. Uh, it was compatible with yeah, the... Yeah, it snapped uh, okay. in, snapped out. Yeah, yeah, okay, there you go. All right. Wow. <laughs> All right, is Dr. Kevin Most ready? <laughs> He's probably given up. I think we may go early a little bit. <laughs> you know, we have not talked about foot disease in quite a long time on this show. Uh, we'll get to Dr. Kevin. Oh, Andy, you know who, yes. I, you know who I have on the show today? Oh, I've been looking forward to this, by the way. Who I talked to the other day. Shaquille O'Neal. He's very charismatic, isn't he? He is very charismatic. And he is, you see him on TV, and he looks like a big guy. He's seven feet tall. Yeah. Uh, You stand next to him. (laughs) And And you feel like you're, um, hi, Mr. (laughs) O'Neal. He shakes your elbow when he shakes your hand. (laughs) He shook my hand. Uh I thought... Oh, picked you up and down off the ground. When I've shaken hands with Dan Hampton, I have felt like a little girl. (laughs) Because Dan Hampton has the biggest hands until the other day that I ever saw. Shaquille O'Neal's hands are enormous. They're gigantic. (laughs) But he could not be nicer. He could not be more personable and friendly and... We had a, he he uh, just opened a chicken restaurant out in Rosemont, and uh, I was out there uh, not talking sports with him. I guarantee you that. But <laughs> we talked about his new restaurant, and uh, we're going to share that conversation because uh, Dean loves talking with all the sports legends. <laughs> <You> do <laughs> trying not to embarrass myself talking with the sports legends. Uh, so that is coming up later on today. Dave Herman Schwan. And good morning. Thank you very much. Funny you should mention a British invasion because that's kind of a subject here of our location for the far-flung forecast on this Sunday morning, August 6th. No tell. Because, no, do tell. Because we are going to Mackinac Island. Mackinac Island, of course, right off the coast of uh, Don't Mainline you mean Mackinac? Michigan. Mackinac Island, <laughs> Mackinac Island. You know, what's the difference? Um, but uh, this has nothing to do with the boat race that took place uh, two weeks ago. But this is a refresher of history that I wasn't too familiar with and uh, got a little refresher course on something I saw just the other day on August 4th, two days ago. Uh, August 4th, 1814. Is this while you were on vacation? No, I was home by that time. No, I was home by that time. 
Um, but on, if you learn something while you're on vacation and then brought it back to the show, then you could deduct everything from your vacation. <laughs> that's true. It suddenly becomes tax deductible. <laughs> Actually, I did learn a few things, so that's that's uh, that's in the works. So, okay. But, right. uh, anyway, on August fourth of eighteen fourteen. The U.S. tried and failed to take Mackinac Island from the British. The British had captured the island during the War of 1812, and the island uh, had originally become a part of the U.S. as Michigan Territory back in the 1780s. Hmm. They built a fort up there, but the British took it during the War of 1812. In 1814, the U.S. tried and failed with over 700 troops rushing onto the island, wow. but they were defeated by the British, 75 casualties there. In the end, though, the island was returned to the U.S. in 1815 as a huh. part of the treaty to end the war and ultimately became uh, the state of Michigan, the 26th state in January of 1837. Wow. A little history I there never for knew. you. I never yeah. knew that the British yeah. uh, controlled that. Yeah, they did for a time. It is 68 degrees and sunny skies in Mackinac Island <laughs> with a high of 71 today. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for the first text to come oh, in. Oh, it'll come in. It will be in, in uh, about five seconds. It's not pronounced Mackinac. <laughs> Welcome back, Dr. Most. Always lovely to have you with us on the show. Good morning, Dean. How are you guys doing this morning? We are doing uh, A-OK. I wish it were a little sunnier uh, today. Uh, when it's overcast like this, I think a lot of people just have a hard time getting their motors started. You know what I mean? Is, is does, does that have to do with... Uh, lack of vitamin d or i mean is there some medical reason for all of that or are we you know just no, la- no. lazy am i just lazy no 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 there's definitely medical uh behind it and it's interesting dean when the sun is out and our body sees it it releases endorphins which make us feel good those yeah. are the good hormones and it's make us feel pleasurable which is really interesting because one of the defenses we would say is okay are people wearing sunblock on days that they feel good. And more importantly, are people wearing sunblock today? Because the UVA, UVB rays are just as strong today, whether there's clouds there really? or no clouds. No kidding. Yep. But people think, oh, I'm protected today. I don't need to wear sunblock today. That's exactly what I would have thought, that I, I don't need any kind of protection because it's so overcast outside. But you still need to protect your skin from uh, those rays, huh? Correct. Those UV rays are going to go right through those clouds. They may be diminished a little bit, but not to a point where you don't need protection. Well, I've got every light uh, in the studio turned on. <laughs> I'm one of those people that I need uh, I, I need the light to uh, to function. So, uh, well, yeah, and it, it, it's not uncommon too. Think about in the winter. You know, seasonal yeah. affective disorder is based on individuals not receiving enough of a proper wavelength of light, and they they get depression from it. So yeah. it's not unusual that people want to be in a very well lit environment um, from a psychological and a, a antidepressive point of view. Yeah, I, I am very much affected by all that. Uh, as opposed to Thursday when I was out covering the uh, you know first day of Lollapalooza for WGN TV. It was bright and beautiful and sunny outside. There was a beautiful breeze off the lake. It was a, a perfect morning. Uh, and I was, you know, well protected with uh, my, my SPFs. But uh, I've, I felt it when I, I came back inside. I was like, wow, you, it, it doesn't take much to, you know, get 
the effects of the the sun even though you are still wearing all kinds of protection i had a hat on i mean i practically had a beekeeper suit on (laughs) (laughs) well you know dean and i'm sure during that time you probably weren't hydrating as much as you should so sometimes coming in not only do you feel burnt but you just feel kind of exhausted a little bit and it's mainly from dehydration yeah yep Yep, yep. Well, if we ever get any sunshine back, uh, keep all of that in mind, everybody. Uh, in the meantime, uh, let's see what we have going on here today. I guess, uh, you know, one of the things that I wanted to talk about was back-to-school time. Uh, if you go into any store now, all the, all the back-to-school merchandise is already on the shelf. That means our kids are going uh, back to uh, grade school, middle school, high school, college, uh, what do parents need to be thinking about health-wise as they send their kids back to school this fall? Yeah, Dean, and you, I'm, I'm glad you said it that way because you touched on the entire spectrum, all the way from grade school all the way through college, you know. And as we go into grade school, parents say, oh, I got to get them in for their school physical. And it's almost like, oh, I just need to check the box. But remember, these kids are fairly healthy, and this is the one opportunity for a physician to lay eyes on them and to look for any abnormalities and to look for any concerns. So, and also to make sure their immunizations are up to date. So that's those earlier ones. And then as we get older, we start to say, oh, my son is now going to go play football or basketball and needs a sports physical. And those are really important. Obviously, I know you talked with Dr. Babka last week. You know, when we look at things like uh, Bronnie James and we say, okay, what are we going to do to protect our kids from a medical point of view and those that are participating in, in sporting events? So that physical is even more focused. And then you touch on the other end where it's the college kids. You're finally getting them out of the house. You're just happy to pack the car to get them out of there. And that's probably one of the biggest ones because now they are gone. Now they are outside of your environment. You no longer have the assets and the the opportunity to help them. So there's probably some key points there that we should touch on. Okay. So uh, let's, let's start off with uh, the college uh, students as they're heading off. What kinds of uh, preventative measures uh, things uh, that parents and students, hey, come on, you're grownups now. Take care of yourself if you're, you know, above 18. Uh, what are the kinds of things that they should be concerned with? Yeah, it, it's interesting also the way you put that. They're grownups now, right? Three months earlier, they were high school students, but now all of a sudden, quote unquote, they're grownups right. and they are ready to go out on their own. So we need to know that this is a transition and this is not just jumping off a cliff. You know, many Students right now are on medications, whether it's for depression, whether it's for ADHD, some even for something as, you know, like uh, elevated cholesterol. So we need to know if patients, if kids are on those medications, they're going away from college, that's going to be the last thing they're thinking about. They're thinking about the mini fridge. They're thinking about all the things they need in their room. So certainly making sure that they, one, have enough medication. And two, if those medications are being delivered by mail, that the right address is put because you don't want a child to run out of a chronic medication while they're at school. And even at that point, I would say the parents need to check in so often and say, hey, just checking to make sure you're taking your medicine, but doing it in a subtle way. Hey, do do I need to get that prescription refilled for you? You know, knowing that they should be running out. So medications is probably one of the biggest ones. And then probably one that parents really need to understand is that once their child turns 18, they have rights. They have health rights. And one of those health rights is privacy. So if their 18-year-old or 19-year-old freshman in college 
got injured and went to the emergency room, that doctor, you can call and say, hey, you know, is my child there? I want to talk to the doctor. And unless you have signed a HIPAA form where the child, and I shouldn't say child, the young adult gives permission for that doctor to talk to a parent, they can't do that. And that frustrates wow. parents so much. So yeah. it's really one of those where you got to understand they're adults. Just like if an adult, if your brother was in the hospital or something and you called and said, hey, tell me what's going on. Sure. No, he hasn't given us that authority to share that information with you. So that's a big one I stress to parents. Get a HIPAA sign, get a HIPAA form signed prior to them leaving. You can get them online, have the student take it with them, and make sure it's in their medical record. Well, you know, because, uh, you know, maybe not at the start of the school year, but as the year goes on, uh, you know, the, the chi- uh, ch- young adults may have uh, medical issues that they don't want their parents uh, to know about. Uh, you know, does, is that in conflict with what you're talking about of having a, a HIPAA form signed? Well, yes and no. You know, there's limited information that some inf- some information that can be shared. And the, the, the patient or the student, how we want to uh, say, he has total control. He could Just because you have HIPAA signed form does not mean, oh, go and share everything with everybody and they can look at it. No, it would be. Can this? Can I share this information with patient X? Have you signed that? So the patient certainly would say, hey, no, I don't want anybody to know this. This is my private information. I don't want it shared with anybody. Versus, no, I do want you to share this. So it really comes down to the individual and the patient. Now, if that patient is unconscious, certainly we're going to go to that HIPAA form to say, who can we talk to? Who can we share information with? Now, uh, in terms of uh, just general health uh, is it a good idea, uh, you know, if kids are headed off to college, say, for example, uh, that they get exams? Are, are those even required when you, uh, you know, start uh, a college someplace? Some colleges do. And the reason that many colleges do it is kind of interesting. One is they want to have a baseline health information on you so at least they know some of the basics with you as you come in so that if you do show up at the health services, at the university, they at least have some background on you. And two, probably more importantly, is they want to make sure your immunizations are up to date. And you don't want to find that out on day three of school saying, oh, wait a second, you don't have your meningitis vaccine and we require that here, therefore you can't start school. So certainly they're going to tell you what the school, each school is different, but what the schools are going to say, these are required immunizations and this is what we require from a health information point when you join this university. Which ones are required now in Illinois? Well, in Illinois, MMR, and then the Tdap, which is tetanus and diphtheria, and then meningitis. Those are the ones that are required. Most schools are going to say, hey, you really should get influenza. You really should get a COVID test. But when we look at the, the college setting, we look at these groups getting together in very close environments. If you remember probably, what is it, like six years ago, we didn't think pertussis was going to come back that much. And yet an outbreak at University of Iowa showed us, hey, we need to make sure that these kids don't just get a tetanus shot, but they get the tetanus and pertussis shot. Mm -hmm. So that's been added. And then meningitis is a very common illness that runs rampant through colleges, so one that we really want to make sure. So those are the three basics, but we certainly would recommend the hepatitis vaccine series, we would recommend COVID, we would recommend influenza. Anything that's going to slow down the spread of transmission 
of an illness through a population that is very tight and spends a lot of time together. Right. I'm glad you mentioned COVID. We haven't really talked about it very much uh, on this segment, but uh, it is still something uh, if people are going to be living in those close quarters and, you know, big groups and like that, like they would be at college or people who are have uh, immune deficiencies, uh, the COVID should still be something that they're concerned about, right? Absolutely. So the COVID, you know, they should have that booster now. They should do that before going out. <clears throat> We've seen a bump in COVID. We've got a 10, 15% bump in COVID over the last two weeks. And right now we're waiting, probably will be out this week, the approval of what the booster will be for this fall. We're waiting anxiously to hear what that is going to be and what the timing of its availability will be. But kids in college, going into college now, should at least have a normal series and the one booster that's already been approved. So uh, strongly would recommend that. And again, this is for two reasons. One, you don't want your child sick early in the year, whatever time in the year, where he's going to miss school. You're paying a lot of money for that child to go to school, and you don't want him to miss any days because of illness. And the two, you don't want to be the conduit to spread it to many other individuals, whether it be in his dorm, his fraternity, his sorority, or even in the classroom. Uh, We've got uh, lots of questions for you on our text line. If you've got one, you can uh, call on the regular phone, 312-981-7200, or give us a text, 312-981-7200. Dr. Kevin Most returns in a moment. 951, Dr. Kevin Most, Central DuPage Hospital, on the line with us. And uh, Rick is going to be up first this week. Hi, Rick. You're on WGN. Thank you very much. A quick question, doctor, and thank you for all your help. A friend of mine had a knee replacement done. It turns out she's allergic to metal. Terrible pain after the replacement. Eventually, the doctor came in, took out the knee replacement about a year later, put in a titanium one, still in terrible pain from that one. Does anybody make a totally non-metallic knee replacement? And if so, where is that done? Wow, Rick. You know, that's unfortunate. It is very highly, highly unusual to be allergic to those metals. And you know what? I don't know if there's a composite made up right now of uh, for knee replacements, just because the companies that do it have such rare side effects such similar to this that no company has probably pursued that to make a plastic one or to make a more composite one i don't know of one and that's a really good good very good question um i wish i had a good answer for you i would say that you know checking with you know some of the higher end uh universities where we're doing a lot of knee replacements be it northwestern or rush midwest orthopedics that rushes a very high-volume knee replacement uh, uh, university, and they may have more insight into any research that's going on for non-metallic knee replacements. But that that side effect is so rare that um, I don't see a company doing it right now. I thought maybe something out of ceramic, but like you said, they maybe don't make something like that. There's maybe not much call for it. Yeah, that would be exactly it. They would need to, one, do the study that it's strong enough and that it works well enough. And then, two, they'd have to figure out if the market is there. Because I can tell you the knee replacements, Rick, that are going in right now used to be big and bulky, and now they're getting smaller and, and more uh, complex and more technologically advanced, not only so that they work better, but so that they last longer. Um, but certainly I wish I had a really good answer for you there, and unfortunately I don't. 
All right. Thank you very much for your time. Yeah, good, l- good luck with that. I would think that, uh, you know, orthopedic specialists would know every single option which is available, right? Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, here is uh, from the 847 area code. Uh, I still wear my mask when out in public. I've worn it since the beginning of the pandemic. People look at me like I'm crazy, but I have a hole in my lung from COVID-related pneumonia and also care for my 88-year-old mother who has lung disease. I wish the public would be more accepting of mask wearing. Uh, I, st- I still see people wearing masks. Uh, I, I, it wouldn't even occur to me to look at somebody like, why are you still wearing a mask? It's their choice. No, abs- absolutely, Dean. And, and that's unfortunate that she feels that way. Um, it feels she feels like, do I need to wear the scarlet letter that says, here's my medical problems, here's why I'm wearing a mask. I'm sorry, general public, we should be looking at these individuals as one, they're either cautious, which is great, they're immunocompromised, or they're caring for someone who's immunocompromised. So let's not uh, belittle people who wear a mask. And just remember, it wasn't that long ago that we were all wearing masks. Yeah. So, I would say, hey, be polite to them, be aware of them, and actually even give them some space so that they don't feel uncomfortable. There's obviously a reason they're wearing the mask, and please honor that. Yeah, that's amazing that somebody would would even do that. That's that, just amazing to me. This is Jim. You're on WGN with Dr. Kevin Most. Hello. Yeah. Yes, good morning. Doctor, I've got a sister that lives in Portland, Oregon. Her and her family have uh, all got their... Kobe shots, booster shots, everything. Um, a week ago, they all came down with Kobe. Uh, her, her husband, the two kids, uh, the grandkids ain't got it yet, but they did. Got it checked out. They've had all their boosters and everything. They went to the doctor. The doctor said that, I don't know if you've heard about this, it's a, a new highly infectious strain of Kobe that's uh, starting up, and they've got it. They went like the whole time, we never, you know, we're cautious, wearing masks, doing everything. And uh, they just got, you know, let their guard down and they just caught this. Something new. Well, it's not brand new, Jim, but you hit on a very good point. If we all remember, the original COVID shots were for the original virus. That virus has mutated numerous times. And the the only boost that's available right now is still a good booster. But the strain we're seeing right now, the one you're talking about, is the UBV strain. And that is, it's highly contagious. That's why we're seeing a bump in cases here now. So we have to remember the vaccine does not prevent you from getting the illness. It does pretty, it does in some people. But really what it does is it minimizes the symptoms and the length of illness and prevents you from going into the hospital. So individuals can still get the disease, can still get COVID. However, their immune system will protect them from advancing to something more severe that we saw in the past. We're also, just like I said a moment ago, we're also waiting for the newest update on the booster, which will be for the effective strain that is going around right now. And that should be released, the information at least, should be released here in the next week or so. So not unusual that people are still getting it. Like I said, we saw a 10 15% bump here around Chicago, and yet our immunization rates are probably upwards of you know, 80 90%. So people are still getting that, even though they were vaccinated, but they're having much more mild cases, and it's more like a bad cold at this time. Jim, thank you for your call related uh, to a COVID question. 
708 area code asks if a 75 and 77 year old are going on a cruise soon is another booster advised before traveling our last ones were in uh were last september yeah you know this is one depends on the timing of their cruise if their timing of their cruise is soon and they're at that age group i would talk to your physician and say hey there's not going to be any harm in getting it and certainly we know that the immunity wanes after a period of time like i said right now the vaccine booster that we're getting is not ideal for the strain that we're seeing but it will certainly give you some protection and going on a cruise where it's almost like i mean i hate to go back to the college analogy but you're in a close quarter with a lot of different people that you don't know anything about so having that additional protection would not be a bad idea prior to traveling. All right, let's get one more in here uh, from Dave. You're on WGN with Dr. Kevin Most. Yes, uh, doctor. I had two both knees replaced in the early 90s. And the right one first and then the left one 6 months later, whatever. That's quite a while. And now I'm getting some swelling in the right knee and it also buckles a little bit at times. They don't hurt, but did I have those checked are they good for the rest of my life? <laughs> <laughs> well, Dave, it's interesting. Like we were talking about, the advancement of what these knee replacements have gone through and what's going on with them is amazing. Now, you have to remember, yours is you're 33, 30 years old in your knee there. Now, were they built to last that long? Probably not quite that long. So certainly I would say seeing somebody, letting them take some films, seeing why that's buckling and see if it's a minor surgical procedure that can be done or perhaps re- replacing the uh, joint replacement with the, one of the newer ones. But again, if you're in no discomfort, I wouldn't be in any rush to have the surgery. But I certainly would at least get into the doctor and say, hey, can you take a look and see? Because next thing you know, you're going to have some back pain. And why do you have back pain? Because you're walking differently because your knee's bothering you. So you don't want that ripple effect when it's something that may be able to be treated either with physical therapy, another easy, lighter surgery, or perhaps even more invasive where they replace the joint. Yeah, somebody on our text line. uh, Somebody. uh, Sorry, Dave, go ahead. I also had a triple lower back fusion. And uh, now I'm starting to get neuropathy, and I'm going to therapy for all of that stuff. But could that cause knee pain, too? Well, it could, but very unlikely. The neuropathy that you're getting is probably due to either scarring where you had the uh, surgery in your back, or it could be even age or any other medical condition that causes neuropathy. So certainly, you know, following up with your primary care doctor to make sure that they've eliminated some of the other causes of neuropathy that can be treated, or at least getting you on some medication that can help eliminate the symptoms of the neuropathy or at least alleviate some of them. Dave, good luck to you. And uh, Dr. Kevin Most, Chief Medical Officer, Central DuPage Hospital. Always good to talk to you. Have a great Sunday, Kev. Thank you. You got it, Dean. And coming up, my one-on-one conversation with the legendary Shaquille O'Neal. I like standing, uh, it's my first time ever, but uh, I interviewed Shaquille O'Neal out at his new chicken restaurant uh, in Rosemont, and uh, whenever possible, I'm going to stand next to Shaquille O'Neal or a guy his size, because it made me, uh, Shwani, feel like a little petite flower. (laughs) Petite flower? That's what you you can call me from now on. Petite. Dean, the little petite flower, standing next to a seven-foot man. Hello. Hi, Shwani. Andy. Boy, oh boy. What? (laughs) 
We're having an off-air discussion. I, <laughs> I should probably um, mention what it is. Well, you should get on mic if you're going to talk about it. <laughs> Everybody's a critic today. We, we're not, wow. we heard you way over here like this. You, that's not good mic technique. And I still want to know what type of silver tone stylus you had. <laughs> Did you have the 5811 SD or so, the EPS hyphen 24 CS? So I have to correct what is apparently the greatest concern of uh, our listeners on the text line today. Uh, about 15, 20 minutes ago, I did a commercial for Blue Sky Restoration Contractors. Mm-hmm. Except on the paper, it's written, it's spelled as B L U S K Y, one word. Now, if you were to see the word B L U S K Y, wouldn't you say Blusky? Or Blusky, yeah. Yeah. If it's Blue Sky, as is, you know, has been done since the first day of broadcasting. <laughs> if there is an unusual pronunciation for something, you would write it in a phonetic way so the announcer would know that's not the way to pronounce it. Here is the correct way to pronounce it. And in the case of Blue Sky, wouldn't you put a dash between the BLU and the SKY so <laughs> somebody would know this? <laughs> well, we've got quite a few texts about it including one of them call me a big dummy because I should have known different. They didn't call you petite? Yeah. Um, and I, I would say that person really needs to concentrate more on common manners yeah. than worrying about how I pronounce anything. But uh, everybody else is so perfect. He's never made a mistake. But that's what I was discussing with producer Jack. When I, was, I see. Okay. I was really yelling at him. <laughs> wasn't really discussing. Not his fault at all. Well, you all. still didn't answer my question. Not his fault at all. I know I'm trying to avoid answering the stylus question. All right. <laughs> did, you know, did you know that silver tone appliances were begun? Yeah, I'm not done ripping this up yet. <laughs> I've already fired off an angry email. Also. Okay. Did you know that today's were... not the day for this? All right, all right. I'll just <laughs> drop Dean's a little cranky. Okay, no, you're I fine. I'm talking about. Hey, hey, dummy! Don't you know how to pronounce? <laughs> Jerk. <laughs> what were you saying now? Oh, my stylus. Yes. Yeah. Silver tone, um, or or if you the correct <laughs> plural is styli. Styli. Yeah. Styli. Did you know that they were making silver tone appliances as far back as 1916? Did you know that? I did not know yes, that. Yes, they did. I didn't know record you players could buy, were... Oh, sure. You could buy a silver tone phonograph for $35. In 1935? 1916. That was a lot of money 1916. back then. Yes, that was a lot of money. What kind of records were they making in 1916? Those 78 Shellac 78 records. That I play early? them all the time. That early? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I played them all the time. I thought that was more of function, the 78 RPM records. They were 78s. Uh, I, well, I thought that was more like a 1930s, 40s. Well, the, the format lasted up in through the 1950s. Huh. I have a friend that has Elvis Presley 78s. Really? Mm-hmm. Interesting. <laughs> now, perhaps you had the EPS-74SMAD. 
Yeah, you didn't. You didn't. So Shaquille O'Neal, cool. I mean, was he nice to talk to? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you know what else is bugging me, by the way? What? <laughs> what? Might as well just get it all out. Have you noticed in the streets of Chicago that they're reconfiguring the streets? They're putting the bike lanes right next to the curb, and then they are putting... So, you know, I've seen that for years in downtown. No, but wait a minute, though. But, the, but, but you would park your car... Uh, to the left of the bike lane. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. Am I explaining oh, this yeah. properly? Yeah. So, you know, if you're driving on a street, there's the the lane for moving traffic. Now they've put the park, parked cars next to that and the bike lane all the way over to the right. Mm-hmm. And that's bugging me now. Go down South State Street by the post office there as you approach Cermak. It's been that way for a long time. It um, just seems like a recipe for... Disaster. Uh, it, it, with, well, car-to-car disaster. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, the bikes are way over to the, you know, the right-hand side. And uh, you know, I'm glad the bikes are being protected. Uh, I just wish some of the bikers would uh, it, you know, engage in some of the rules of the road. Like not going through red lights. And, oh, I had oh, one man. do that. Not once. you know, not turning. It's a good thing left I was going right hand lane. I know it. Like you know, the the if the bikes are going to ride in the street, drive in the street, they need to follow the same rules as the car because they are the ones that are going to get hurt yep. mm-hmm. or worse. Mm-hmm. You know, they're on a bike. I'm on a car. Uh, you know, I, the, the of course the whoever's driving the car is going to be blamed, but. Um, you, you got to follow the rules if you're going to be out there with the motor vehicles. But now the parked cars. So, like, I park my car now kind of in the middle of the street, and there's much more of a chance that I'm going to get hit by a car when I'm getting out because I'm opening my door into a lane of traffic that's moving. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, exactly. Yes. And it it, it it's kind of feels strange when you park that far away from the curb, you know? Because yeah. you feel like, and you are opening up your car door uh, right into the lane of oncoming traffic. You know, as an occasional bike rider here in the city, it makes sense to me because as I ride, there are people that get out of their cars and don't even bother, bother to look. And that is true. That door just flies open. Yes, the it does. Gets it. Yeah. And where are you supposed to go? And I still see some of these delivery trucks double parked in the bike lane and there i remember there was that horrific accident uh what was it last summer uh with the with a mom and her and her daughter on a bike and they got hit yes so i mean there's a lot there's a lot going on some of these streets were just not made for bikes because they're narrow and it's it's hard to it's, it's hard very, to navigate it's very narrow but they're yeah. reconfiguring the streets though yeah that's true. putting curbs up yeah they're they're tearing up the streets and building uh new curbs to, I mean, they're they're trying to protect the bikers. I get it, mm-hmm. but I think it's it just feels like it's cre- going to create new problems yeah. along the way. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of hard to bike on these streets. I mean, it really, I mean, it is dangerous, and I try to avoid heavily uh, trafficked areas. But sometimes those are a little better because I think people are paying more attention when you're on some of the main thoroughfares as opposed to the side streets. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I've, I've complained about this for years on the air about everybody's got to follow the rules of the road. And 
you know, a lot of, uh, you know, uh, motorists don't follow the rules of the road. Of course they don't. And, um, you know, they're opening their car doors without looking to see if somebody else is coming, whether it's a car person or a biker. Um, but, uh, you know, a lot of the bikers, I can't tell you the number of times where a bike just shoots out of nowhere, you know, oh, yeah. blows through a red yeah. light. Uh, and, you know, thank goodness that you hit your brakes in time. Uh, otherwise, the results would be uh, tragic. I'm, I'm seeing more and more people, car drivers, blatantly go through red lights. In many seconds after the light has changed and you have the green, you have the right-of-way, they'll still go through the, uh, you know, the intersection. I had a guy do that to me this morning. Mm. I, was, I, I was waiting for a red light. The light turned green. It was my turn. Mm-hmm. But a guy coming from the other direction just, you know, he, he apparently was, uh, you know, transporting live human organs or something and was in a hurry. Very important. Yes. Uh, he had something very, very important to do. Or, you know, it, it, sometimes they're just people just aren't paying attention. But it's, uh, it's really aggravating. Uh, not to mention now, you know, because they're rebuilding the curbs. So you have to be careful, like when you make a turn onto a street now that has this new bike configuration with new curbs that you're not (laughs) taking out the bottom of your own car (laughs) by making a right turn onto a street where a curb didn't exist before. Yeah. Ma'am. Well, I tell you. Yeah, Shaquille O'Neal was go. great. Is this is this the uh, is this the complaint department uh, time Hello. in the show? Hello, complaint department. May I help you? Please step up. What's your complaint? Ah, <laughs> uh, well. Uh, yeah. So uh, I can't see us working in a complaint department. Well, at a department store, you two are polite. I would never make. It. I'd be out the first day. I'd be out like Lucy and Ethel in the chocolate factory selling Vitamita Vegemin. Yeah, yeah. I would be like, what? What do you want? Yes. Yeah. Now, what do you want? Yeah. What's your so, problem. Your point is. Yeah. What's the problem? It blew up, and then what? <laughs> Toaster's supposed to blow up. <laughs> Get a new one. <laughs> no, there's no warranty. Yeah, thank you for shopping Dean Richards' department store. <sighs> All right. No, yeah. we don't have that anymore. We have a lovely show for you today. <laughs> See if we can get the train back on the track here, <laughs> Mr. <Al>. Petit. <laughs> Mr. Petit. When I stand next to... Look, you stand next to Shaquille O'Neal... You're going to feel like a petite flower. Yeah. Have you ever met him, Andy? Uh, I have Talked not. To him, been no, I've not him met him, but I have been around him. I mean, uh, covering the bulls back in the day. Yeah. Uh, he is a large human being, and not just tall. He's just he's just a big guy. He is a massive, muscular, gentle giant. Yeah. Really is the way to put it because he's a little bit soft spoken. Uh, he's uh, got a, a wry sense of humor. Uh, and uh, I had a delightful time talking to him. I got to say, it was it was a really. I didn't know what to expect. Uh, I I was there to talk to him about his new restaurant. It's got a, a chicken place. It's a fast food place, and they serve you know all kinds of different different uh, chicken sandwiches. Uh, and um, 
he, uh, you know, I was going to talk to him about that. He's been in some movies. I was going to talk to him about that. You know, and, and you know what? He played at Lollapalooza the other night. He played at Lollapalooza on Friday night on their electronic dance music stage. He's a DJ. He he, he plays uh, not Herman's Herman's Records, uh, Sean, <laughs> like, like we did when we were DJs. Uh, but you know, like a like a dance uh, DJ, he does that sort of thing on the side. I used to rap. Was he queuing up the records and everything? I, if they if they still do that, I, yeah. I, it seems like digitally, it, probably you don't have to do that anymore. But um, so you know, we had a few things to to talk about, and we had, we had a nice uh, you know uh, chat. Now, does he have more than one location for the restaurant, or is his it- first location here in the Chicago area that's out in Rosemont, it's on Higgins Road? And uh, they, he has a location in Las Vegas. I think, he, that, I think they had like 12 locations, something like that. And this is the newest one. Then. This is the newest one that opened about a month ago. And he happened, because he was in town for Lollapalooza, he made a stop out at his chicken restaurant here. <laughs> and, uh, you and you happened to be there. And it was packed. People uh, of all ages, uh, you know, you, you would think that a Shaquille O'Neal fan would be like you know, more our age from from that era of the NBA, but people of all ages, little kids, were so excited to meet him. He is a beyond legendary figure, and there's a great picture that we posted on Facebook of uh, Shaquille O'Neal and myself, and I look like I'm two feet tall standing <laughs> next to him. <laughs> now I'm just a little bit shorter than you. And yeah, I'd be interviewing his belly button. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly how I <laughs> <Yeah>. felt. <laughs> that's how I felt. Mm-hmm. Um, Mr. O'Neill, um, <laughs> where did you get the idea for this chicken restaurant? <laughs> that's how I felt. So, does it taste good? <laughs> <laughs> he cracked me up. Uh, you'll hear it in the interview. We're going to play it in about an hour. Uh, we're talking about the different sandwiches. You know, they've got a Nashville hot chicken sandwich, super hot chicken sandwich. They've got a variety of different kind of fried chicken sandwiches, which are so popular right now. But one of them is called uh, the Big and Messy. And uh, he said, uh, yeah, the, the sandwich is called the Big and uh, Messy. We named it after Charles Barkley. <laughs> <laughs> said for obvious reasons. Those, those guys, for obvious reasons. I don't, I don't know if you've ever seen their show inside the NBA on, on TNT with Ernie Johnson and and Kenny the Jet Smith as well. But that is some of the most organically funny back and forth. Those guys that you could ever see. Those guys are absolutely hilarious together. Uh, and he, you know, he brought Shaq brought his wit. You know, he he, he brings that razor sharp wit with him. Very much the same as Charles Barkley. Mm-hmm. You know, when he does solo interviews, he's he's also very very funny. Uh, but uh, it was a pleasure pleasure to uh, to, to chat with him, and um, I uh, just want to thank him for not crushing my head. <laughs> well, <laughs> imagine these guys. I mean, Andy, you've been around this. So, oh yeah. But you know, if you're if you're covering the Bulls, say. You know, and back in the day with Michael Jordan and mm-hmm. Scottie Pippen and, you know, like the the, the the legendary names in Chicago Bulls history and the legendary names of uh, the Lakers and, you yeah. know, name, name the team. These legendary guys all, you know, doing battle on the basketball court 
just standing next to one of them, and I, I wanted to cower. Yeah. I can't imagine what it would be like to be doing battle with them on the basketball court. Yeah, a lot of a lot of contact, and uh, you know, Shaquille O'Neal's only only uh, bugaboo for, in his career was shooting free throws, and they used to call this uh, they used to employ this offense or defense called the hack a shack, and they would purposely follow him to get him to the free throw line, and they knew he would miss, so yeah. they could you know, take advantage. But that was about the only thing because he could run the floor, he could pass. Uh, he had a nice little jump shot, not, not, nothing to write home about, but he was always around the basket and could just <laughs> break a backboard here or there. He's seven feet tall. How much of a jump shot do you need? Really? Yeah, not really. It's like a, a little bit of a, a push-up shot. That's stand on it. your tippy toes. Yep. Really, that's, that's all he would need with that. But thank you, Mr. O'Neill, for <laughs> letting me talk to you. <laughs> That's my that's Schwanny's favorite voice that I do <laughs> of all my voices. Um, what's a serious stylus? What does that mean? Coming up, we'll get to our weekend theater segment. The uh, Paramount Theater in Aurora has been running uh, shows on their smaller uh, stage, the Copley Theater, and uh, they have a really interesting production uh, that is there right now. Uh, that is called Next to Normal, a very thought-provoking uh, production. Uh, we'll talk to the star of that in just a moment. Also coming up in the next half hour, uh, you may have heard that MJ the Musical has just opened in Chicago. It's in previews right now. It'll officially open the middle of this week, but it's the Michael Jackson Musical, MJ the Musical. Uh, and we will talk with the star of that, Roman Banks, all coming up in just a few minutes after we check in our WGN News from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom. MJ the Musical, Tony Award winner. Some previews right now. Some of you may have already seen it, but it will officially open uh, later on this week. I think it's Wednesday or Thursday. We'll give you the review on that after we're able to run over there and get a look at it. Uh, and in just a moment, my uh, one-on-one conversation with Roman Banks, the uh, actor who took over the role of Michael Jackson in MJ the Musical uh, and is taking it on the road. We'll uh, get to that in a minute. But I wanted to bring to your attention first um, an opportunity to see a, a phenomenal uh, piece of dramatic work, uh, the uh, the a musical Next to Normal, which was the winner of the 2010 Pulitzer Prize for Drama and was nominated for 11 Tony Awards and was winner of the Best Musical Score. Next to Normal is playing at the Paramount Theater's new uh, Copley Theater, the new intimate uh, theater, smaller theater, uh, that is uh, perfect for you know smaller, uh, more intimate uh, kinds of shows. And uh, starring in the production uh, as Diana in Next to Normal is Donna Loudon, who uh, joins us on the phone line right now. And Donna, I'm so glad you could join us this morning. Welcome to WGN. Hi, Dean. Thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure. So tell us uh, a little about Next to Normal. Next to Normal is a rock musical. It is centers around a family um, called the Goodmans and um, the mother, Diana, who I play, um, who's dealing with mental illness and 
um, her struggles that she goes through in treatment um, and what her whole family goes through as supporters of someone that's struggling with mental illness. Yeah, it's a, a, a story really of the dynamic of this family, isn't it? Of how, yeah. how they... Uh, each of them dealing with their own issues, but in a bigger sense, dealing with uh, the, uh, the the mental illness, as you put it, that the mom is going through, your, your character is going through. Yeah, yeah. So Yeah, I mean, it's a story about grief. It's a story about love. It's a story that now more than ever, I think we can relate to. Um, having gone through a big, you know, collective experience of the last couple of years. Um, it's, it's a beautiful, every, every uh, performance is just like a beautiful collective moment. Yeah. It doesn't feel separate from the audience. It feels like we're all doing it together. What's it like performing uh, at the new Copley theater? It's, you know, a pretty new theater. In uh, downtown, oh gosh, downtown Aurora, but it's it's a lovely venue and really perfect for a show like this, isn't it? It's so beautiful. The, the venue has been recently renovated, um, and so the whole... Um, the whole space is just gorgeous. They redid the inside of the theater um, just in time for this production, and it's super intimate. Every seat is a good seat. Um, you know, the the front row we we lovingly call the splash zone because it is right there. Um, but every seat in the house is just lovely, and because it's a small space you do get the sense that you're sitting right in the living room. Um, you know, they're not hundreds of feet away. They're, they're right there in front of you. Yeah. That, I mean, some uh, productions really lend themselves to these kinds of, of venues that are a little more intimate. And if you're lucky yeah. enough to be in the audience for something like that, I mean, you feel like you are in somebody's living room while, <laughs> while this drama is going on. Yeah. <laughs> this is your... Uh, yeah, I mean... You love it. This is your first time, I believe, out uh, out in Aurora and uh, playing at the Paramount, uh, you know, slash Copley, right? It is. Yeah, this is my my Chicago theater debut. I'm loving every minute of it. Well, talk to me a little about your own background. Uh, you uh, come out of musical theater in Los Angeles, I believe, right? I do. Yeah. So I'm from California. And um, I went to school out there. I did theater out there for a long time, worked at a lot of different um, houses and also worked with Disney for a while. Um, and I, I, I was kind of um, going back and forth between New York and Los Angeles. Uh, but my husband and I really love Chicago and we love the theater community out here. So um we recently decided to make this our home, and wow. so we're we're both just thrilled to be here. And he's actually over at Chicago Shakes right now doing Beauty and the Beast. Oh, okay. So, so we're having a Chicago theater summer. Wow. Oh, that's fantastic! That, that's really great. And uh, I hear th- that from people all the time who come from somewhere else to do a show here and wind up falling mm-hmm. in love with the Chicago theater scene. 
it's always kind of amazed me a little bit that the theater scene in Los Angeles is not more vibrant than it is, given the amount of talent that's there. (laughs) Well, I think, I mean, what I can say about Chicago is that the the theater community is amazing, but the theater audiences really make it. The audiences know good theater. They see good theater. They they want to be there. They sell out the houses, um, you know, and and that makes it a joy to perform um, because you're performing for a group of people that are very invested in the art, and um, and I mean the teams are just lovely. So. I, I, you know, every, every city has its own flavor and I really love Los Angeles theater as well, but, um, you know, <laughs> I'm really loving Chicago. Yeah. Well, good. <laughs> we're, we're glad that that's the case and that you're going to put down some roots here and to, uh, have your, uh, Chicago theater, uh, you know, debut, uh, and have it with, uh, Jim Cordy. Uh, it doesn't get much better than that. It was Jim Cordy, who is the uh, Paramount Theater artistic director and is directing uh, Next to Normal. Uh, that, that's that got to be quite the experience for you as well. I mean, he's, he's an old pal, but uh, there aren't too many more talented people than Jim Cordy. I mean, I I could not say enough good things about Jim. I've had such a lovely experience working with him and with the entire team, Um you know, working at the Paramount has been such a beautiful experience. The entire creative team is so lovely. Corey Danielson, um, just uh, Lexi Bailey, the choreographer. It's it's just been such a dream. And Jim really brings a collaborative experience to the work. And so, you know, we all have we all have our little footprint in the show. And that was super welcomed. And, um, you know, Jim has made it a point many times to encourage the cast to share our ideas and to be vocal. And, and, you know, you don't, you don't, you don't see that a lot. So it's, you know, it's been really special. Yeah. Uh, A text from the 630 area code uh, says, I was at opening night to next to normal it's an amazing production, a little difficult at times, but so filled with hope. Is that the kind of feedback that you're getting from people coming to see the show? Oh, my gosh. Yes. I mean, it's an emotional one. Bring your tissues. Um, but there is so much hope. And and I think it's okay to really let go in a production like this. I mean... You know, there's uh, <laughs> people are crying through the uh, through the the show, and but but when you come out at the end, everyone's smiling yeah. and and feels very. A lot of people have said it feels like a cathartic experience. Some oh. people have said it feels like group therapy, like we're all you know just right. going through this together with them. Yeah, I I like shows uh, that do that to you. You know, I, I like mm-hmm. I like shows that really. Um, Tap in, tap into emotions where sometimes it's a little difficult and maybe, you know, makes you reflect on something that you w- went through in your life or are going through uh, in your right. life and, you know, may may scratch the surface a little bit. Uh, but totally. it, it's almost always uh, resolved by the end of the show. 
and uh, it winds up being a real, literally a visceral experience. And that, to me, that's what good theater ought to do. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's not the kind of production that you that is so far away from um, an audience member's reality. It's about love and family, grief, loss, um, you know, relationships. Um, mother-daughter relationships, husband and wife relationships. And I think that's why it hits a nerve with so many people. Um, But, you know, I think what's so beautiful about the show is it's also about the denial of, of working through those things. And so because we're putting it right out there, you know, it kind of gives us all an opportunity to address the same things the Goodmans are addressing. And I think that's why the audience loves it so much because they can relate to so many so many parts of the show, you know, in a way we can all be the Goodmans. We can all go through this kind of stuff. Right, exactly. Well, next to normal, uh, first of all, uh, just to see this uh, new theater that uh, the Paramount has uh, redone, the Copley Theater, uh, that's an experience uh, all on its own. It's a brand, brand new theater, brand new space. Uh, and uh, next to normal is uh, its new production, which is playing there until September the 3rd. Uh, if you want to get uh, ticket information, you can go to ParamountAurora.com. They've got all the information there, or 630-896-6666. Donna, I'm glad you could join us today to talk about this a little bit, and I hope we get a chance to meet in person. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Donna Loudon, who is in the production of Next to Normal, now at the uh, new Copley Theater in downtown Aurora. All being put on stage in the Tony Award-winning production, MJ the Musical, which was uh, a smash on Broadway and now has started its North American tour, kicking off right here in Chicago. Uh, MJ the Musical is in previews right now in Chicago. And uh, we'll be here for uh, pretty much the month of August. We'll give you ticket information, etc. But we were able to sit down one-on-one with the star of the show, the actor who has taken over the lead role for the North American tour, Roman Banks, who plays uh, Michael Jackson. And he talked to us about taking on this iconic role. We're going to get us some uh, Roman Banks here in Chicago this summer in <laughs> MJ right. the Musical. It's so nice to have you here with yeah, us. Thank you for having me. Congratulations on this. I mean, this has got to be a landmark thing for you to uh, be taking over this role, but mm-hmm. also to be taking over this iconic uh, figure that you're going to be playing. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a dream come true. And I hate to sound cliche, but I mean, that's quite literally what it is you know he's a musical hero of mine and many others and i still pinch myself i try not to get too ahead of myself yeah. I'm like you know i try to stay very present as a little kid were you doing the michael jackson moves you know with the hat and glove and it honestly started closer to my teenage years um i um my, my mom used to play a lot of jackson five so that's what i uh-huh. grew up on you know like the the role right. and all that stuff yeah. so but the MJ phase, I guess, started when I was like closer to 10 and 11. That's when I was playing all the music videos, and that's when I was like trying to get all the moves right. right <laughs> and right. asking my parents, I was like, come watch, I have it down, I have it down, I have it down. 
and you know skip to the part in the thriller and be like okay here I go yeah you know so so what so was there a lot of training then that went into this for you or was it just sort of intuitive for you because you sort of grew up with it I like to say that I've been preparing for this role my whole life um, I've certainly sang this music my entire life um, I think in terms of training, I, I hadn't danced in a really, really long time. So coming into audition, my hips and my, my just my legs in general were very much screaming at me. They were like, what are we doing? Yeah. This is not the protocol. Wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> What's going on? Yeah. Um, so that has definitely come with some effort. Um, but I, I mean, I, I've, I've been trying to at least dance like Michael for as long as I've been dancing. I mean, just, you know, to look at the, the, those moves that we were looking at. It's, it has to be, I mean, even though you were in High School Musical right. and Dear Evan Hansen, those are all very physical shows. Yeah, yeah. Um, this, I, I would think, has to be even more physically challenging. He was so technique-driven. A lot of people say he's the first to bring street and ballet into you know their own style and so we I, I'm in ballet classes right now just working on my toes working on the length of his pictures because he was so picture driven uh, and you know you want audiences to feel that feeling of of watching Michael and so I want to be sure I do it and I do it with diligence yeah. Um, but yeah it's it's hard work but it's it's, it's an amazing show yeah uh, I mean it's gonna bring back a million memories for people to go right. to uh, see the show but I can't wait to see your version of it thank you and put your your touch on it thank you so much for coming in congratulations yeah. again thank you for having me. you're gonna be here during the hottest part of the summertime <laughs> Uh, wait. <laughs> I don't know about the timing, but uh, it should be okay. It's better than snow. Yeah, the show will be here through September the 1st over at the Nederlander Theater on Randolph Street. MJ, the musical, it's in previews at the moment. It'll officially open a little bit later on this week. We'll see it, and we'll give you the full review on it all. In the meantime, some classic Michael Jackson for your Sunday morning. And uh, the latest on the condition of uh, former Chicago Bear Steve McMichael, uh, he went into ICU, what, a couple of days ago, Andy? Yeah, it was Thursday, I believe. Uh, The uh, latest, his press representative is saying that he is now stable and that the sepsis uh, is gone. The sepsis that put him in is gone. But he does still have pneumonia. He will remain in ICU on IV antibiotics until he is infection-free. Uh, he is alert. They showed him video of the uh, impromptu rally yeah. that took place outside the uh, hospital, uh, in the parking lot at the hospital, and uh, put a big smile on his face. Loves his fans, says he's very grateful, uh, as is his uh, wife, Misty. So... Uh, we wish him uh, all the best with that. Yeah, and there's a uh, the, the grassroots uh, campaign to get him into the Hall of Fame has begun in earnest, and that's uh, what a lot of those people were out there for. So he's made it to the uh, list of 12 semifinalists for induction to a next year's Hall of Fame class at Canton. Uh, they were going to whittle that down to no more than three coming up in a couple of weeks. I, I think it's August 22nd. So uh, there, there's still a lot of hope and a lot of uh, uh, momentum for Steve McMichael to get into the Hall of Fame. And it's not, you know, people might think it's because he's got ALS now and blah, blah, blah. This guy was a great football player. Amazing football I mean, player. He, he played in 191 consecutive football games for the Bears. That's a team record. And he was only second in team history to Richard Dent in sacks. 
So, I mean, this is a guy that legitimately deserves to be there. He should have right. been there before. Long time ago. Yeah. yeah. But uh, this is something that, uh, you know, is has got some momentum. I know Dan Pompey, a local writer here, and uh, actually a national writer as well, is kind of heading this up. He has a, a voice in those rooms and uh, is, is trying to tout Steve McMichael for enshrinement. Yeah, I'd be pretty shocked if that didn't happen, but uh, I guess we have to wait a couple of weeks, and hopefully Steve will continue to uh, get better. Mongo, I have, hopefully you know his condition will continue to improve, and uh, all we can do is uh, continue to wish him all, all the best for uh, uh, you know stabilized uh, coverage. That's a tough thing that he's dealing with, so hopefully uh, things are going to get better with that. Yeah, absolutely, and I know that uh, Dan Hampton has been uh, been over there to visit him several times, and there's a lot of his former teammates that have certainly kept in touch and uh, will pop in for a visit now and then. And you, you see the pictures in the newspaper and just how happy it makes McMichael. It's it's kind of touching just to see what uh, what those guys coming into his room uh, mean to him. Sure, sure. Same with uh, Jarrett Payton. Yeah, uh, from you know WGN TV Sports, son of Walter Payton. Uh, I'm sure, you know, it's got to bring back a lot of good memories for him uh, for, you know, his days of playing with uh, sweetness. Yeah. And it's it's funny because uh, uh, Misty, uh, Stephen Michael's wife, said that they're already starting to kind of prepare for a speech if he is able to, to get into the Hall of Fame. And they want Jared to pre- present him at oh, the Hall of Fame. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, that's nice. All right. Well, we'll keep you posted on all that. In the meantime, uh, in just a few minutes here, my one-on-one conversation with uh, Shaquille O'Neal. Uh, somebody, <laughs> I said, I said uh, that I, I felt like a little petite flower standing <laughs> standing next to him because he's uh, seven feet tall. He's extremely. He's still in great shape. Uh, you know, very very muscular, very big, strong man. Uh, but somebody texted in that they went on my Facebook page and looked at my photo with Shaq and said that I look like when Tim Conway would play that little short guy on, <laughs> on his knees. <laughs> that is exactly what I look like. But the biggest celebration of all because Dave Schwann is back from vacation. Schwanny Day, as it has been officially proclaimed uh, in Chicago. Would you like an official proclamation, Schwanny? Can I get you an official proclamation? I would be honored. Okay. Got some other things going on in there? Got a craps game going on in there? I have a newsroom to run. (laughs) Yeah, craps game. I'm also eating a cookie. (laughs) And craps game going on. (laughs) 7-Eleven. Come on, Snake Eyes. Let's go, Snake Eyes. Hard. Come on. Let's eat the hard way. Mama needs a new pair of shoes. <laughs> Let it ride. Shwani all relaxed. You actually look relaxed, Shwani. I do? Yeah. Well, thank you. Doesn't he, Andy? He, looks, he does look chilled today, yes. Doesn't look as stressed out as... That's what being away from me for a week will do to somebody. <laughs> that's exactly right. You know what? I was telling Bob Ferguson... This was the first Sunday that I was off in a long time that I didn't check in. Uh, you know, ordinarily, if we're gone, I'll do a far-flung forecast yeah. from wherever we may be. But, well, you uh, want to, though. It's not like we make you do it. No, that's true. You, yeah. want, you want to do it. Yeah. But I just didn't. Uh, yeah, you didn't just, care enough. I didn't want to pick up You the didn't phone. care enough. No, I know. Uh, was, 
just didn't. Uh, Sorry, we had like Andy and I. Have we both, were on the road. Andy uh, and I have both time. done the far flung forecast. Yes, we have. Absence. And you don't even remember what it was last year. Yeah, it was well, I, I, I temporarily, I got a lot on my mind, uh, Schwan. Yeah, right. And as I say, once the once Mr. The, Petite, once the content goes down the conveyor belt, <laughs> I'm done with it. That's well. I'm, I'm from now from now on. You are Petite Dean. That's what you're going to be. You just wait. <laughs> I take off a couple of LBs. I will be. <laughs> A couple of LBs. A little petite dean. I'm working on that. I'm working on that. Uh, so you had a nice vacation. And where? Traverse City? Traverse City, those? Michigan. Yeah. Yes. Beautiful up there. Um, What's the number one thing? I I don't know if, if I've ever been to Traverse City. I've been to many places in uh, Michigan, the neighboring states. I, I don't know that I've ever actually gone to Traverse City. It's on the base of the Grand Traverse Bay, hence the name Traverse City. Well, what should I see, though, when I go there? What should I do? Well, there's water. Lake Michigan is there. There's water. I, don't, I hate to break this to you, but you can look right out the window here at WTN and see there's this big body of water that it's we have. It's the same one. Yeah, we have the same body of water right It's the right same here. one. All right, so what, what's the? why do I need to drive all the way to Traverse City, then? No, seriously. Um, if, you know, you enjoy... Are Indiana Dunes there? You've spent a lot of time out there when you were in oh, yeah. Scouts. I love the Sleeping dunes. Bear Dunes National Lakeshore is just gorgeous up there. It's just beautiful country. It's Shwani rolling. was uh, showing me some pictures that he took on his phone. Yeah. They're absolutely gorgeous. Exactly. And um, I don't want to say that I saw some other pictures on his phone <laughs> while he was scrolling. <laughs> oh, I now we're going to get of, off on the pictures. I saw a thing. couple of other pictures that I'm not in really intended for my eyes. <laughs> you can't unsee them either. I will that. never be able to see them because they're burned into my retinas forever. Sleeping Bear Dunes is uh, highly recommended on my list. There's also a little town up there called Leland Mm -hmm. that I had never visited before. So we went to Leland, which is known for an area called Fishtown, where many, many years ago, the fishing industry was very healthy there. You can still charter a boat and go fishing from the town. It's just one of those quaint little areas and walking up the couple of blocks there that in the area known as Fishtown, you'd think you were in New England. Remember the, you know, the old buildings that we saw in Jaws and yeah. that area? That's what it looked like to oh, me. Oh, that's nice. Really what it reminded me of. I like uh, the, uh, the, we have many parts of Michigan and Wisconsin, both. Yes. That uh, look like you are in New England. Oh, yeah. It's got that really yeah. kind of old school maritime kind of feel. Exactly. Go up to the Apostle Islands uh, at the very northern end of wisconsin yep. absolutely You'll did you have a, did you eat some fish in fishtown no we didn't eat any fish in fishtown but uh, we did have fish and we we had dinner at uh, friends i have uh, friends that have a beautiful home uh, outside of traverse city so we had a very nice evening there on saturday so that's why you didn't have to uh Go to a restaurant and mention them on the air so you can get that's, the, yes. the free food. Because you, you got free food at your friend's house. <laughs> that's right. That's right. What kind of fish did you have at your friend's house? Uh, we had chicken there at the friend's house. <laughs> oh, the famous chicken fish. <laughs> I would have fish all the time if I lived in a place like that, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right? You can go out and catch fish. and You can. 
Yeah, you can charter a boat and Fry catch it up fish, in a pan. cook it up there, too. And speaking of fish and eating, Traverse City is known for uh, its restaurant culture. Dean, you would love it up there with the variety of restaurants there. It's, it's terrific. Yeah, you'd have a field day reviewing the restaurants. I up love. There. I oh, I love uh, restaurants uh, like that. Supper clubs and mm-hmm. these uh, great old school restaurants. You know that have been open forever, and uh, you know that just serve uh, you know delicious delicious fish like that. Yep. Yep. Nice fish fry. I bet you can find a nice fish you fry. You can find a, on a you, nice you Friday fry, night. Find very fresh fry. Yes. Say, what? What? <laughs> what are you drinking? I'll have a just coffee. Wait, waiter. I'll have what, what he's, he's having. I'll have what he's having. Uh, well, good. I'm glad you had a nice time. Definitely going up again. Can't believe you didn't have fish in Fishtown. No, we. Uh, that we doesn't didn't. seem we right. Seemed like if you're in Fishtown, you'd have fish. Yeah. Well, that's for next time. Then hmm. we'll save it for next time. Next time you should go to Chicken Town and see what they serve you. They'll have beef. Yeah. <laughs> I had a nice uh, swordfish this week. Oh, on the grill? On the grill. Mm-mm. Made some nice swordfish, salt and pepper. We grilled salmon oh, Monday. That's good. Delicious. And corn on the cob. Oh, now you're talking. That was one fine meal. As if my I do dad say used so to say, myself. good night, Irene. Good night, Irene. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> Still have no idea what, what that means. means. But my dad used to say it. Now I'm saying it all the time. <laughs> hey, good night, Irene. So you are turning into your parents. Though. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> By the second. Are yeah. you kidding me? I know. It is amazing, isn't it? Um, took the, uh, oh, salmon salmon on the grill. You can't beat it. Uh, but this uh, swordfish was uh, just delicious. Uh, Do you season it? As well? Salt and pepper. Just salt and pepper. So all I put was some salt and pepper. I put a little paprika on it just mm-hmm. for color, but you don't need that. But uh, olive oil and lemon mm. at, at the end. And it was nice and moist. And um, boy, I could eat seafood every single night of the week. I know. In the summertime. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Fresh fruit, corn, seafood, mm. ice cream. I had some nice Lovely. rainbow ice cream the other day. Oh, you did? Ooh. Our favorite rainbow ice cream. We had a uh, an event over at WGN TV, a uh, little party, seventy fifth anniversary party, and they invited the rainbow ice cream truck mm-hmm. park, parked right outside the WGN. And you were first in line. I was in line several times. <laughs> was first in line several times. Did you know that they have a um, that they have a uh, a booth or a stand or a, a, a store at the Navy Pier also? I did not. know. Oh yeah, oh, and it's very popular. What are we doing here then? I know we should do the show out there, right? <laughs> Another place. <laughs> Look how close we are. We're so we could cl- do the show out there. So close yet so far away. <laughs> we can kayak over there. I w- <laughs> there you go. I was looking at the kayakers on the river a little while ago, thinking, whatever happened to that idea? We've had so many good ideas. I know. You, uh, you for to places sh- to do the show. You, yeah. you came into the newsroom after that show was over and had this very determined look on your face right. as you looked down at the kayakers yep. and you say, now... Can we set up remote gear in each of the kayaks that's waterproof? Be? We could pretty much run, just run an extension cord downstairs. <laughs> that's true. Just 
knock out the window. Throw here. a microphone out the <laughs> and window. Just right out the mic. Like or the right out days. the window. And yeah. Yep. <laughs> Almost makes me wish we were back at the old dump at Tribune <laughs> Tower. Where we had microphones on the street. That's right. And we could actually talk to people outside. And you did. And they called you names there, too. <laughs> well, no. No, they did not call no, me they names. No, didn't. they didn't. But it was fun, though, because every so often, you know, you would see people and turn on the microphone, ask them where they were from. Right. And, uh, you know, they, this time of year, many people visiting from a elsewhere. Of, a lot of strangers. It was always fun. Lollapalooza weekend was always fun because the, uh, the kids would come by. And, you know, the kids love their Uncle Dean for some reason. I don't know why. I don't either. <laughs> <laughs> you said that a little too fast <laughs> they come by and they like to they like to rap you know we we uh <laughs> the young people relate to me for some reason and we we like to rap about culture and music vaping we like to talk about we like to talk about vaping vaping what's your favorite tattoos <laughs> Favorite Lala band. Right. Right. And you would say, are you going to the Hootenanny? <laughs> uh, you know, I was over covering the uh, the morning, the first morning of Lollapalooza, like I always do. I didn't realize it was like 15 years that we've been doing that. But Lollapalooza, I guess, came to Chicago in 2005. We've been doing it since it started. So we've been out there every opening day since for, for 2005. And um, the kids this year uh, waiting in line were more polite. They were more, uh, you know, they they weren't as uh, like nutty as they usually are. They were they they were like very respectful. And then I realized it's because they felt like I was their grandfather. Oh, so they were treating you with respect. Well, yeah, respect slash condescension. Did they call you sir? Yes. Oh, yeah. It's that kind of sir that you don't want to hear. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know what I'm talking about when they say sir? And it's what they're really saying is that you're as old as Methuselah. So I'm going to be as polite to you as I know how. What was the invention of fire like Uncle Dean? Right. <laughs> right. Um, why are you so old? Uh, no, but the kids were very nice. The, for some why are you so old? The... Um, I don't know why. The kids just, they, they seem more tame this year. I haven't heard uh, incidents like we've heard in the past of kids jumping the fences and, you know, things like that this year. Uh, have there been? And I just didn't. No, I'm, I am not aware of any. There was that you terrible see, story that you had on the news about the guy getting electrocuted well, on, there were, on the yeah, third two rail. People, they jumped on the tracks, though, to take a picture, to do a selfie apparently yeah and very sadly touched the third rail you just don't do that don't uh no but you will see a very heavy police presence uh all around grant park i did notice that this year also Mm -hmm. yeah that there were a lot of chicago's finest doing their jobs out yes yeah both on the street and in squad cars up and down michigan avenue yep yeah they like rapping with their Uncle Dean also. <laughs> we had a, we had so nice... you walk up to them and go, hey, how's tricks? <laughs> Boy, that band was really the bee's knees, wasn't it? <laughs> Goodness gracious. <laughs> you know what? If, if what you were saying wasn't true, it would be funny. I forgot about this song from uh, 
1995. Shaquille O'Neal, I Know I Got Skills. S-K-I-L-L-Z, Skills. Uh, so he's dabbled in uh, music. He's uh, actually a, a DJ uh, right now. He was at Lollapalooza on Friday night performing. He goes under the name of DJ Diesel uh, behind the, the turntables, uh, spinning records for everybody to dance. And Shaquille O'Neal uh, also ran up to his brand new chicken restaurant. It's a fast food place that's called Big Chicken. Uh, in Rosemont, 9437 West Higgins Road. And uh, they're going to be opening another location in Schaumburg. Uh, you know, we uh, were invited to come up to, to talk to him. And, uh, you know, it's like, I don't know, uh, you know, what to talk to Shaquille O'Neal about other than uh, movies, uh, that, you know, that he's been in and, uh, you know, some things like that. But uh, I sure can't talk food with him. And uh, it was it was packed. This restaurant was just completely packed of uh, people of all ages coming to see this legend uh, in uh, NBA. You know, maybe one of the greatest players of uh, all time. Andy, would you say that's a fair assessment of the the, the career of uh, Shaquille O'Neal? Yeah, I mean, he he was kind of a, a game changer with uh, the the, str- the strength and the size at his position. And he won a couple of championships, too. Yeah, absolutely. I believe uh, four NBA championships. Yeah, with the Lakers and a couple other teams, too. Yeah, uh, He was with the Orlando Magic, the Lakers, the Heat, the Suns, the Cavaliers. And I think he finished with the Celtics. Exactly yeah. right. In yeah. 2000, uh, the 2010-2011 season. Uh, and he is, uh, you know, I would say probably one of the more successful athletes after his athletic career, his days on the court. Uh, ended. He's one of the the most sought after and uh, prolific, uh, you know, uh, commentators on uh, basketball on, on the you know the various shows. He mm-hmm. and his pal uh, Charles Barkley <laughs> are uh, hilarious when they're on together, but uh, separately also they're they're very witty and they're very funny. And uh, we had a great time talking about this uh, brand new restaurant called Big Chicken in uh, Rosemont. Now, you, have to, you do have to listen carefully because it was, you know, super crowded uh, in this place. But you can definitely hear uh, my one-on-one with Shaquille O'Neal. Shout out to Chicago. I love Chicago. Uh, been in the food business for a while now. And, you know, I've always had the love for chicken sandwiches. You know, Big Chicken was inspired in Vegas. We started a couple years ago. We had a couple restaurants out there. And, and we just started franchising, so this is one of our franchisees restaurant in the Chicago area. It's, it's great. I didn't expect a turnout this big because I didn't really announce it on the radio, but you know, a lot of a lot of people here, so I make sure to take pictures of people and take care of everybody. I definitely have family here, and a lot of friends here, a lot of battles here against the bull, but it's one of my favorite cities. That's why. And I'm glad this uh, franchisee here wanted to open up here in Chicago. Because everybody likes food. You know, black people love chicken. So I wanted to, you know, just show people how I eat my chicken. Like, I would always take my fried chicken and do a variation of things. Take the, make a chicken salad or make a chicken sandwich. So these are the sandwiches that uh, me and my team came up with. You actually were involved in the creation of the menu here. 
I mean, a lot of celebrities come in, they just put their name on the building and that's it. But you were a little more hands-on. Yeah, I'm hands-on. I, uh, I denounced from being a celebrity three years ago. Those people are crazy. Never want to be labeled as crazy. I'm just a nice guy. Follow my dreams. Uh, you know, 70% of athletes after they're done playing have nothing. I never wanted to be like that. So I really understood and concentrated on business. And it's just one of the business concepts that we uh, uh, came up with, me and my team. So talk to me a little bit about uh, the menu and what you've got on here. What are, what are your sandwiches and food that you're most proud of? Well, great chicken, antibiotic-free chicken. Uh, you know, my menu is consists of things that I would eat. Like, my favorite sandwich is the MDE. We had a very sloppy sandwich. We used to call it the Charles Barkley. <laughs> for obvious reasons. Yeah, but, I could see that. Yeah, but, you know, it's just uh, a lot of chicken sandwiches. The Uncle Jerome, which is uh, one that's very, very hot. Nashville hot chicken. You know, different fries. Fries that you wouldn't see anywhere else. Milkshake. Basketball-sized cookie. Well, just a lot of simple, fun things. Talk to me about this chicken and donut. It's like the best of both worlds in one sandwich, isn't it? It's, it's really good. You know, I have a I have a team that come up with a lot of concepts because you know, living in the Chicago area, you can't win a championship without a team. So my team come up with these concepts. I said, make it and try it. And at first, I was like, ah. But after I tried it, it was really good. Now, how are you in the kitchen yourself? I'm not. That's why I got. That's why I got a point guard. So I got a small four. Yeah, that's I, why I you open all these right. restaurants. Yeah, I don't do it. Everywhere don't do you go, you can find food somewhere. Exactly. Right? exactly yeah. In addition to cooking on uh, WGN, I'm also the movie guy. Covered your movies. You got anything coming up? Anything? No, I just been relaxing, taking it easy. Uh, but I, but I've come a long way since Kazam. That's all you need to know. <laughs> And you're going to be at Lollapalooza tonight. Yeah, 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 right. tell, tell us a little about that. Well, I've been DJing for about four or five years. It gives me the same energy as, as being in the Game 7 versus Michael Jordan in the Chicago Bull Arena. Not the new arena, the older one. The old one, we had to walk up those steps. So that's going to be a lot of great energy. I look forward to it. That's funny. He remembers playing at the old Chicago Stadium, the old barn uh, over there. But, uh, yeah, his uh, his new restaurant, uh, the, I didn't try anything while I was there because we were busy, but uh, the food sure did look good. If you like fried chicken sandwiches, uh, that's what they're cranking out over there. Uh, Shaq's Big Chicken, 9437 West Higgins. They have locations uh, around the country. Vegas is one location, and somebody texted in and said that they have Shaq's Big Chicken on some Carnival cruise ships. So, uh, you know, take a look uh, for something like that. We're going to feature the interview on uh, WGN-TV later on this week. When we come back from the break, you know him as Captain Liam Shaw from Star Trek Picard. Uh, one of Chicago's very own, actor Todd Stashwick, joins us next. Lots of you have been enjoying the uh, one of the latest Star Trek series uh, that uh, have come out, Star Trek Picard. The uh, series that starred uh, Sir Patrick Stewart reprising his role as uh, retired Admiral Jean-Luc Picard. Uh, It was really like a who's who of uh, Star Trek characters uh, featuring lots of, uh, you know, beloved characters on many of the Star Trek series through the years, but also introduced a new character who became 
One of the most beloved on the show, Captain Liam Shaw, who is uh, a Chicago born and raised actor named St- uh, Todd Stashwick. He's going to be appearing at the big fan festival that's going to be out at the Donald E. Stevens Convention Center in Rosemont next weekend. Uh, we spent a little time with Todd on a Zoom chat. Uh, talking a little about his uh, career and being part of the Star Trek legacy, Todd Stash, uh, Stashwick. I'm always happy to, you know, see a Chicago guy make it. I, I just not even now noticed you're so Chicago. You're wearing a Sticks T-shirt. That's how I Chicago represent, Dean. Yeah, I Mr. represent, Mister Roboto. You, you are yes. There. I, I come sail away. Come on. <laughs> come talk on. About your, talk about your Chicago roots a little bit. Uh, well, that's where the, you know, that is where I made my first steps on this earth. Uh, I was born at, uh, in an auspicious, uh, hospital known as Swedish Covenant Hospital. And it is auspicious because it is the same hospital that Han Solo was born in. So, uh, so I, I share lineage with, uh, with other starship captains. Um, and uh i grew up uh on the on the like the west side first like the first 7 years of my life um then we moved out to the to the northwest suburbs to hanover park illinois where i did most of my dreaming uh and planning and plotting um and then i went to loyola university for a hot second uh i finished at illinois university illinois state and then uh i came back to chicago proper and was a part of chicago Chicago's uh, second city. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, oh so, yeah. What? How does that contribute to you as an actor? Uh, your your roots with Second City, your roots with different improv groups in Chicago. You know, it's 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 uh, it certainly is. Um, it certainly uh, is a respected uh, credit to have in one's past, but technically, as an actor. Having been on the road with some of the funniest people in the world that, you know, I had to run to keep up with the Adam McKay's of the world uh, and uh, Steve Colbert, Steve Carell, Tina Fey, Amy Poehler. That was the era that I was in Second City. And so I just uh, I'm so grateful for those days because I got to practice my craft and go out there in my early 20s and take big risks as an actor and then the lessons that you learn like if you can put me in a college town on stage in front of uh you know thousand college students and i don't know what i'm gonna say next that trains me for pretty much the rest of my life as an actor and the skills that i learned as an improviser how to listen how to respond how to heighten how to uh be in the moment all of that stuff still i'm still doing it today even on star trek even though i'm right reading the words that the writers wrote underneath it all i'm still improvising yeah you know what what a, a thrill i would think for uh, someone who was a fan of star trek which you'd mentioned to me uh before yeah. uh to be part of this spectacular uh especially the final season of picard that uh is going to go down as i think one of the great star trek adventures of all time well it's very humbling it uh you know i've said before that you know my cousin tori uh introduced me uh very much and my cousin uh my cousin tori and my uncle joe they were my star trek uh 
ambassadors when I was six, 1974, giving me my first Spock, uh, McCoy, and Kirk action figures. And so I've, I've been pretending to be a captain since I was six. So uh, I've, I've almost been preparing for this role my whole life. But uh, yeah, you know, it's a, it's a wonderful, rare thing to be able to contribute and be a part of a thing that I'm I would watch as a fan. So that is a uh, an opportunity that that doesn't uh, it's a rare and wonderful opportunity, yeah. Yeah, but I mean to be a part of this final season especially uh, yeah. where it's like a, a Star Trek Hall of Fame that you were part of with like all the Pretty major crazy. players. What, what what was that like? Is it intimidating? Is it uh how, how do you, you know, describe that? It, well, you know, it's two things because you step outside of it and, uh, and the reality of contributing to this massive beloved franchise is wonderfully humbling. The day to day at work was, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's like any other time that I've been on a set very much where it's like I'm, I'm working with people that I respect doing material that I love. And so I know what that job is. Having been in the business for 30 years, I was just excited because I got to do it with people whose work I've been watching since I was a young actor in Chicago. Cause that's, you know, this show in 1990 is when I moved to the city proper to pursue acting. So it's, it's, it doesn't, um, the times that it's surreal for me is like when at the premiere, I walk into the Chinese theater and there's my costume in a glass case that people are taking pictures of wow. something that I was putting on for, uh, you know, to go to work is now this almost uh, star Trek museum piece. And that's when it's, it feels out of body and it feels surreal. And then to meet the fans, it's uh, that's so it's humbling to know because people come to you and they're like, uh, Star Trek helped me get through my parents' divorce. Star Trek got me through uh, hospitalization. Um, I've had vets uh, and people who suffer from PTSD reach out to me that they feel connected to Shaw and they feel seen uh, by the way that he was written and and uh, responded to my portrayal. So it's it's humbling. I guess that's the best word to describe and. I made sure that I have the presence of mind to recognize that when I was on my bridge of my starship to go, don't forget this. Don't take this for granted. This yeah. is uh Hey, six year old Todd, look what, look what we're doing. <laughs> That's very cool. And, uh, and you're coming home in uh, August for coming the big home. fan expo, right? Coming home. Yeah. You know, I have never had the opportunity to, work in chicago like i've never shot anything here so this uh this is really cool to be able to come home and the character himself is from chicago so we're we're bringing it all we're bringing it all home for fan expo and uh i could not be more tickled it's gonna be august 10th through 13th we'll put some information up on the screen uh of uh, how people can uh, come out and see you and join you I am fascinated by uh, whatever room that is. Is this in your house? Is this <laughs> this is my here? nerd lair? You have the nerd nerdlands of nerdlands. There, I'm seeing yeah. figures. I'm seeing old video games. What what is yeah. what, are we look, what are we looking at exactly? 
So this is my nerd lair. This is where I celebrate all of the things and influences that pushed me into wanting to be a performer in the first place. So I got I got arcade games. Uh, we used to go to a place called Safari Land, me and my, my buddy John Martin and my cousin Scott. We would go to Safari Land and play arcade games. I've got my Mego action figures, which, again, lit the fire. Uh, I've got Star Wars over here. I've got a lot of Dungeons & Dragons. I play D&D on the regular. So I wanted to uh, you know, build the uh, 70s, 80s basement of my dreams. And so uh, this is a place for my friends to come and sit and play and for us to to uh keep the fires of childhood burning i love that i love that yeah how how cool uh you know that you can have it and that your wife tolerates uh you know oh she not only tolerates she celebrates it she's got her own toys oh nice wow yeah you know you married the right person when when you say hey honey where should we put the batman case with all the batman (laughs) figures and she's like the living room so yeah nice yeah very nice well, uh, a real pleasure to talk to you, Todd. Thank you for the Thanks, time. Thanks, Dean. Uh, we'll look forward to seeing you when you're in Chicago. If, uh, would love to have you come by WGN and play the grand prize game. What? I would absolutely. When I was a kid, uh, I, I got to be on Bozo. I didn't get to. I didn't get to throw the the balls. But uh, but I got to now. see it live. Well, now, so. my friend, we've got the we've got the original buckets. <laughs> And ping pong what? balls with your name on them. Come on! Well, I also got to meet Sven Gulli. So I'm, I'm I, you know, this is there's uh, there's some delights with uh, with the access that I'm now getting as a as an older person to delight in a lot of the things uh, from my childhood. So I'll, thank I'll you I'll so tell you, much. It's very as a, a kid who also grew up here, and the first time I got to play grand prize game as an adult, it's super humbling. Uh, to know that I still suck at that game and I still can't do it. Uh, I, I, I don't think I ever got past uh, bucket number four without cheating. Wop, wop, uh, exactly. I never got the Schwinn bike. I never got the Schwinn bike. Oh, All right, that, man. That has to, it, it clearly, uh, though, it didn't uh, prevent your success. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. I know that it's a, a completely different Star Trek, but I just love this theme song so much. I had to uh, <laughs> add it into the conversation, and uh, along with thanks to Todd Stashwick, Captain Liam Shaw from Star Trek Picard. He'll be here in the Chicago area at the Donald E. Stevens Convention Center at the Fan Expo, uh, August 10th through 13th. Be able to see him and a lot of other. They have got quite a few big names that are coming out to do the fan expo this year. If you go to their website, you can get all the information uh, on that. Uh, we'll be running this uh, Todd Stashwick interview 
this coming week on WGN-TV Morning News. We've got Christy Brinkley, who's going to be at the Fan Expo. She's going to stop by. We've got a bunch of people from the Fan Expo who are going to be stopping by WGN-TV Morning News this week. So uh, make sure you're tuned in for all of that. Coming up after the uh, news, we'll get into our Food Time show. Uh, Today we're going to be celebrating... Uh, one of the finest bakeries in Chicago that is celebrating uh, their 30th anniversary. Many of you know Bittersweet. Uh, it has been uh, a bakery landmark on the north side of Chicago for 30 years now. That's quite an accomplishment. Uh, so we'll learn about the history of this uh, classic bakery. That's a very interesting story you had about the Grammys splitting up uh, yeah. that one category of yeah. spoken word. Jay Ivey doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, b- because for years, uh, you know, we would announce uh, Jimmy Carter won a Grammy Award right. for Best Spoken Word. Yeah. Uh, Barack Obama won one. The pre- yeah. mo- most presidents uh, have won a Grammy Award for uh, spoken word. But comedian, well, uh, I think comedians are in a separate category of comedy. Or were they still in spoken word? They may be in spoken word also, yeah. I'm not aware of a comedy Grammy uh, entry, actually. <clears throat> but this new category is what now? Uh, the, it is a, It was originally a spoken word category, but uh, Jay Ivey wrote a proposal to split the category featuring audio books in one mm. and spoken word in the other. Mm. And uh, he uh, became the winner of the, the spoken word poetry album. And now will be the Grand Marshal for the Bud Billiken Parade this year. Oh, very nice. Very yep. nice. Uh, while you were gone last week, I submitted one of your newscasts <laughs> for an award. <laughs> yeah, the one with the bleeped out weather forecast. Well, I don't know. Right? I, I, I'm not 100% sure. <laughs> Let's listen to the entry that... Uh... The forecast from the WGN Chicago Weather Center. Increasing clouds today. High only around five. Maybe some rain this afternoon as well rain and maybe showers overnight tonight a low in the s cloudy windy cold for the season with a chance of rain and in the morning and a high around 44 46 now at o'hare i'm dave schwan cargo's very own 720 wgn wgnradio.com that's beautiful. If that doesn't win an award, I don't know what will. On Sunday afternoon on this uh, kind of overcast-ish Sunday that we've got here. Hopefully you'll be able to salvage some of the day at least anyway. Going to get into our food time uh, segments in a few minutes. Going to talk about the 30th anniversary of the Bittersweet Pastry Shop. And uh, bakery. It's one of the just the finest uh, pastry uh, pastry places in Chicago. I remember when it first opened. I didn't realize it was thirty years ago. The time just flies, right? Uh, but uh, it's a very interesting history, and it kind of brought up the subject in my mind of uh, some of the great bakeries that we've had in Chicago. I'm uh, very uh, very happy that. Uh, you know, many of the old school bakeries are uh, still up and running. Uh, I'm sad that, uh, you know, some of the famous ones have closed, uh, like Dinkles, for example. I just drove by there the other day, and it made me sad that, you know, the sign's still there. Uh, you know, their their famous sign on Lincoln Avenue, 
uh, but uh, you know it's been closed for for quite some time. That's why I'm glad that places like Bittersweet and many other uh, kind of upscale places have uh, stepped in to you know fill that role. Uh, and before we talk about uh, Bittersweet, I wanted to spend some time talking uh, about some of the bakeries that you may have grown up with through the years, and you know like classic old school Chicago bakeries. Uh, you go in, you get your ticket, you wait your turn, you talk to the. Usually, it was a lady behind the the counter, uh, you know, that would fill your order with uh, you know fresh loaf of bread, uh, some sweet rolls, some coffee cakes, uh, you know, whatever whatever it was. We had one, and for the life of me, I can't remember the name of the bakery. It was on Seventy Ninth Street uh, when when I was growing up in in the South Shore neighborhood on Seventy Ninth Street. Between Colfax and Kingston, I think, I'm pretty sure. Uh, but it was just, you know, one of these great places. And my mom would give me some cash and send me down there to pick up a, you know, a loaf of rye bread, fresh rye bread. Oh, man, did that place smell good when you walked in to the uh, bakery. And they had a whole glass case full of uh, sweet rolls and donuts and uh, coffee cakes. And, uh, you know, it was just heaven. Uh, to be in that place and you know you pick up some sweets for yourself uh but and i know chicago had tons of places like that uh they 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 uh just kind of all uh went away and it it kind of breaks my heart a little bit i know that there are still uh some bakeries around like that who knows places like that like the old school kind of uh bakeries that are still out there 312-981-7200. I'd like to find out the ones that are still out there. I'd like to find out the ones that uh, you remember. Uh, Somebody in our text line is remembering Schmeister's, S-C-H-M-I-E-S-S-E-R-S, Schmeister's. Don't know where that is. Don't know what that is, but... Sounds like a bakery name, though, doesn't it? <laughs> it definitely does. Uh, here's another. Uh, somebody is remembering the Engstrom Bakery. If you're gonna, if if you text it in, text in where you think it was, uh, you know, a city or a street or something like that. Um, we had a Schweitzer's Bakery Schwe- in Highland. Schweitzer's. Schweitzer's that Bakery. That rings a bell for me. Yeah. They were there for decades. And there's still a bakery in the very same building. It's called Cakes by Karen now. That sounds very fancy. Yeah. Now that sounds very fancy. I liked when uh, bakeries or businesses just had the like the last name of the Schweitzer's Bakery, Dinkles Bakery. Dinkles, sure. right. Yeah. yeah. I remember yeah. talking with... Lutz's. Like, Oh, Lutz's. Yeah. Lutz's. That was a famous, famous joint. Um, the, uh, oh, here, of course, uh, 708 area code. Uh, Dean, my favorite old school bakery, Calumet Bakery. Oh, I love Calumet Bakery. How about that? Mm. Uh, um, Nut roll, dead Christmas season. Oh, it's fantastic. Oh. Uh, was a go-to. Dean, my uh, Calumet Bakery was a go-to for my Chicago Fire Department Squad 5 that my dad was on, still in business in Lansing and owned by, as we know, mm-hmm. uh, Sam Panionovich, yep. the yep. senior. Uh, They're on Torrance Avenue, and there was a location in Whiting for a while also. Man, that was good. When Sammy Panionovich worked on our show, he would have frequently bring in coffee cakes. <laughs> 
stuff from from dad would send bakery bakery goods shawnee ate most of it uh if, if we were lucky of course i did if uh, any of us were lucky we you know like we put our hand in to get a piece and you get shawnee's bicuspids on your finger because he was taking a take, that's a, started the tradition of you having coffee cakes i think it stuff, probably did yes right? yeah On sunday morning yep yep uh yeah calumet bakery that was that's a that is a famous famous place on the southeast side uh i didn't know they had a spot in, in uh, indiana also yeah they, it's not there anymore um but it was on uh, 119th street in the downtown whiting business district uh, okay uh here is someone remembering the nyberg bakery on belmont near francisco nyberg's pastry i've seen that i've driven past that uh best sweet rolls around shout out to al and al and randy nyberg from mike in jefferson park all right well there's uh there's a nice shout out I, I, these these great old places i'm telling you uh here is one uh, from the 773 area code I grew up in the Austin neighborhood. There was a great bakery named Groves on North Avenue, and they would hand out little cookies with sprinkles to the kids. Uh, as an adult, you would go to Schmeising, Schmeising's on Lincoln Avenue. I don't remember Schmeising's, but uh, I do remember when you go to some of these old school bakeries, they'd have little treats for the kids. You know, you come in and... You know, mom and dad would, uh, they'd place their order and you stand there. And if you're lucky, you got a little, you know, a little piece of a sweet roll or something. And you just thought you were in heaven. The, that, that was just the greatest thing ever. Judy, hi, you're on WGN. Hi, 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 hi. I'm a Southsider also. I think you were talking about Amber Bakery. Amber's. On 79th Street? I think so. I, th- I think so. I know it was on Seventy Ninth Street. I know it was. We lived on Colfax, so it was between Colfax and I think I don't think it was more than a block over. Might have been a block or two, but I'm pretty sure it was just a block. And it might have been Amber's. There was a Hallmark uh, card store right next to it. There was a little uh, knickknack store. There was a bike store, Tink's Bike Shop. I was closer to Seventy First Street. Okay. Okay, do you remember Mrs. Hackles? Mrs. Hackles, that rings a bell. Was that a bell? Yeah, that was the glazed donuts. Oh. I don't remember where it was, but if you were anywhere in the vicinity, you could smell smell how wonderful. And wait, the the uh, the actual don the the pastry was called Mrs. Hackles. The place was called. I think it was a factory. Oh. Mrs. Hackles, but I think it went by Mrs. Hackles Bakery. What made those places so great, Judy? What do you think? I mean, we we all have such fond memories. the The quality of the product was, you know, so so much better than what you get in most and, places these days. And and the 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 people that work there, they were glad to see you. Yeah, that's true. The quality yeah. of, you, quality of customer re- service was yeah it was yeah. Do you remember Bernie Brothers? I remember Bernie. Sure. 
Bernie Brothers right next to the bowling alley at 71st and Jeffrey. <laughs> right. right, exactly. Well, 71st yeah, and Jeffrey, do you remember, then you remember Peter Pan Restaurant then, right? Oh, the Olive Burger. The Olive Burger. My grandmother was the cashier at Peter Pan Restaurant. Oh, wow. Yep. Oh, but but then the other day, someone was on the program talking about ice cream, and then that's Cunis's and Mitchell's. Yep, yep. Two legendary Southside places. You know, Cunis's, I'm told, is still open. It's now in Dalton, I think they said, on 147th Street. Well, Mitchell's was moved to the far south side. Yeah. And then the guy that owned Eduardo's, he picked it up. Yeah, those are all legendary Southside Southside places for sure. I think that's all we did is eat on the Southside. Well, and you say that like there's something wrong with that. No. <laughs> Judy, thank you for no. the call. I appreciate it. Thank you. Bye. Take care. Hi, Laura. You're on WGN. Hey, Dean. I grew up in West Rogers Park, um, where it was very Jewish, and I think the bakery was called Gitzel's. I think that was the name. Are you familiar with Chewy Avenue at all? Sure. In West Rogers Park? Yeah. So every Sunday, my mother would make, you know, lox, you know, lox omelets yep. and bagels. And she would always tell me to go, I'd get on my bike and go to the bakery and get a nice coffee cake. Oh, yeah. Now, I don't know if that expression is used in other <laughs> households. But we didn't know what a nice coffee cake, but the little Jewish ladies behind the counter knew what it was. <laughs> right, right. Well, I mean, I, I don't know if you watch Seinfeld, but it remind, that kind of thing reminded me of those episodes where they would go to the bakery to get a nice coffee cake uh, to, t- <laughs> to take to somebody's house or, you know, a nice. I, I know exactly what you mean, because my mom would send me to this bakery that I can't think of the name of. And you know, go get a nice a nice loaf of rye bread. Well, what what a do nice I know? Uh, one one rye bread from another rye bread. Right. So and then, but there's also a little cookie called kichels. Are you familiar with that kichels? I've, heard, like I've heard of it. I don't know what it is, but I've I've heard the so name. So it's like these. So they're kind of filled with air, <laughs> and on top of them were like um, crystallized sugar. Oh. They kind of had no taste. <laughs> yeah. But they were crunchy. I also grew up in Albany Park. So my Zadie, we, well, we had Zadie's at Bubby's, you know. Right, uh, sure. I don't know if you're familiar with Yep, yep. That. Grand, grandma and I grandma. I can't remember what bakery we'd go to, but it was a, and I, I don't know if my Zadie made it up. Half the time, in, you know, the old immigrants <laughs> would make up names. There were these things called budgies. <laughs> <laughs> and I think budgies were rolls. I don't remember. But I loved the fact that all the little Jewish ladies, you'd come in, there was a tiny little bakery, right? Like Chewy and Sacramento. Do you know mm-hmm. where that is in sure. West Rogers Park? Like Barnaby's. Remember that, yep. that pizza place that was there forever? Yep, yep, yep. Barnaby's. So I just wanted to share that because it's just funny. You know, we all knew what a nice coffee cake was, and go somehow get, they knew what it was. Yeah, go get a nice coffee cake and bring back the change. <laughs> bring back the change. And, you know, Somebody, so I get on my bike every Sunday. We had the lox and bagels and the lox omelets and uh, the onions and the tomatoes. Oh, my oh, God. Is there so, nothing better than a bagel with cream cheese, a big hunk of purple onion and oh, tomato? Is that like stuff. the best? That's some good stuff. Some uh, The 847 area code is remembering Ashkenaz on Morris yep. in Rogers yep. Park. Uh, sure. 
sure. Deli and bakery, sure. lots of fresh bread that they would slice up for you. I used to be mesmerized by that machine where they would take the, right. the whole loaf and put it in there, and then the contraption would come down and slice the whole loaf. <laughs> I was like, wow. Well, if you want to challah. If you won't go challah, you got to go to the Jewish bakeries because you go to the stores and it's just not the same. But I'm sure it's it with any ethnic, like Italian, Greek. You sure. got to go to the stores. You got to go there where you go. it feels like somebody's bubba is in the back making it for them, right? <laughs> right. Laura, thank you for the call. Well, thank you, Gene. Great memories. I appreciate it. Twelve twenty-five on WGN talking uh, bakeries of the uh, old days and uh, the ones that are still around today. Traditional bakeries in Chicago. As we get ready to talk about Bittersweet Bakery and Pastry Shop, celebrating its 30th anniversary, which we'll get into in a couple of minutes. But uh, people on the phone lines, oh boy, what memories people are bringing back. And Roser's Bakery has come up several times. They're still in business. They're still going strong. Uh, John Jr. is uh, John Jr. John Roser Jr., now is uh, in charge of the place making beautiful, wonderful cakes. I will never forget from my mom's 90th birthday, I went to John Sr. at the time, and I said, it's my mom's birthday. She's usually in charge of making all the cakes, but she, you know, we don't want her to make a cake for her own birthday. Uh, what can you do? It's her 90th birthday, and they created this beautiful cake uh, that I took to my mom, and her jaw dropped to the ground when she saw it. And then tried it, and she said, "This is delicious cake." And she was not one to to make a give a compliment to a store bought cake, because all cakes in my mom's mind should be made from uh, you know home. Uh, but she loved Roser's Bakery, and uh, we all we all still do to to this day. People remembering Gladstone Bakery on our text line, Milano's in uh, Joliet. Uh, people remembering Beale's Bakery at Montrose and Tripp, uh, Augusta Bakery on uh, Ashland Avenue, Reuters, Tags Bakery. Uh, Rita, how about you? Which one was your favorite? Rita, are you there? Hello, Rita. I'll bet she's eating coffee cake right now. I'll bet she's chowing down on some coffee cake, some donuts. Oh, what she's doing nothing for us right now <laughs> that's that's all right uh sorry sorry we missed you there rita uh but anyway lot, lots of good memories here of uh, the old school wonderful bakeries around chicago that was the point that i wanted to make with this uh and then uh, these new upscale places came along like bittersweet Uh, Just celebrating their 30th anniversary. In just a moment, we'll talk with the owner-operator of Bitter Street Bakery coming right up. Just take it. Twelve thirty-six. Dean Richards Food Time Show, Chicago Radio's only cooking and dining show. Uh, Today, talking uh, the old school bakeries, pastry shops, all things sweet. Uh, And I wanted to focus in on uh, a pastry shop. Uh, bakery, I, you know, I'm, I'm not 100% sure what the correct title is, but uh, I know that through the years I have uh, enjoyed the treats of the Bittersweet Pastry Shop and Cafe on the north side of Chicago many times. And I uh, saw a very lovely uh, article that was in the Tribune the other day talking about Bittersweet celebrating its 30th anniversary 
And uh, I had to call and say congratulations. Uh, Esther Griego is the uh, owner and managing partner of uh, Bittersweet. Esther, welcome to WGN. Nice to have you with us. Thank you for having me. I cannot even tell you how many times I've impressed uh, dinner guests at my house by after, you know, a wonderful meal, I bring out some wonderful creation that I went and picked up over at Bittersweet (laughs) that that, uh, (laughs) my my guests uh, just went crazy over. Uh, It's uh, we'll we'll talk uh, about, you know, the kinds of things that you do and uh, kind of your philosophy uh, of all that. But tell me how, how all of this started for Bittersweet. For sure. Um, so Bittersweet was founded in 1992 by uh, James Beard Award-nominated chef Judy Contino. She's a you know a claimed pastry chef here in Chicago and um, started her shop in you know the early 90s. And you know it was just an instant hit. There wasn't anything like it in Chicago at that time. Um, and people what? just went crazy for it. <laughs> uh, myself included. I, I, I mean, I remember gladly waiting in line uh, because, you know, people were, you know, just trying to pick up a little something or stop mm-hmm. and have a snack. It was, it was also a cafe where you could sit and enjoy uh, the goodies there as well. But how would you describe yeah. the difference? You know, we were, we were talking about some of these old school bakeries in Chicago where your mom would send you to the, you know, to go pick up a nice <laughs> coffee cake or, you know, pick up uh, some sweet rolls or, you know, something like that. How did Bittersweet elevate that uh, 30 years ago? So, you know, as an acclaimed pastry chef, Judy was able to bring, you know, some of her French European training to bittersweet and really elevate what the options that you're able to bring home to your family. So we're not in the same category as, you know, some of the other bakeries that have been in Chicago for a long time. We were we were the vanguard of, of the new style of pastry shop that has now you know there's a lot more of them now but we were the we were certainly the first yeah very de- very definitely uh, <laughs> uh would you would you call it sort of like upscale uh a bakery yeah upscale uh, european style yeah. um but we embrace a lot of different styles and everything is just really elevated and delicious as yeah. you say yeah it really is um, what what are the, are the favorites there after all of these years? Uh, what what are the things that uh, you know you you cannot do without? <laughs> the flourless chocolate mousse cake is mm. absolutely hands down Oof. the favorite, um, and it's probably one of the things that you brought home for your dinner parties. Absolutely it is just perfect. <laughs> for that. I cannot tell you the number of times I came in specifically for that flourless chocolate cake. <laughs> Um, you know, our breakfast pastries, our scones and cinnamon rolls and pecan rolls are all have always been favorites. Our cheesecake, it's just like such a beautiful, light, fluffy um, cheesecake. And then our cakes, our celebration cakes. That is the other thing that we are well known for. Um, weddings, birthdays, anniversaries, baby showers. You know, if if you get a cake from Bittersweet, you know it's going to be a real celebration. Yeah, that's uh, that's it's very true. I mean, I I couldn't be a, a bigger fan. Now, when did you take over Bittersweet? This sure. was fairly recently, right? So, 2015 um, was when I started uh, working at Bittersweet and and 
you know, starting to take it over. It's been a long process. And then, you know, and then COVID happened. But since in the last year or so, you know, we've, we've, redesigned the shop, um, kind of give it in a little refresh. So now it's very much, you know, I feel like it's very much mine at this point, you know, and I'm able to share, you know, what I love about Bittersweet with everyone. So. Yeah. I mean, has the, have you changed the philosophy or changed the menu? I mean, it's still, you know, basically I would think uh, the uh, Bittersweet that uh, opened 30 years ago. Believe so. Um, you know, a few things have been changed around, and we um, and we've expanded the cafe menu a little bit, and I think people are really enjoying that. Um, added some more breakfast items. It's a great place to come in for a Sunday brunch. Yeah. How did you survive COVID? I mean, a lot of restaurants, uh, eating establishments, had such a difficult time when people weren't going out at all. Uh, how, how how did you manage to survive all of that? For sure, because so much of our product is is taken to go, it was it was a little bit more a little easier for us to transition to a takeout only program. Um, we did a lot of home deliveries. We did family meal kits, um, party packages so that you could send a party to someone. Um, you know, it just we were very creative in, in what we were able to offer, and I think we tried to reach as many people as possible. Yeah, that had to be an unprecedented time. I mean, you taking over in 2015 and then just a few years later, you know, this international uh, disaster takes place sure. uh, that's shutting down everything. I mean, you as a new business owner, you know, must have you know said, oh boy, now, <laughs> now, now what do we do? What, now what can yes. we take the flower out of now? <laughs> so yeah but i think you know we had a great team who was able to really you know pivot as you know no one loves that word anymore but that's you know that's what happened and lots of online orders and lots of takeout so yeah uh and also you uh have opened a new location as well right so right now we're also in timeout market in Fulton market but we are working on opening a new location in Pilsen it is at 2019 South Laughlin so it's at uh, 21st and Blue Island um, in the neighborhood of Pilsen and we're super excited to be opening there hopefully next month yeah that's that's fantastic um, if someone's going to stop in the shop for the first time what are the things that they must try well, we do have individual versions of the flourless chocolate mousse cake, so you can just get one for yourself or maybe share. Um, we also that's, have that's ridiculous. our chocolate peanut that's, that's ridiculous talk. <laughs> sharing a sharing a cake like that? Oh, no. Don't touch my piece. Don't touch my piece of flourless chocolate cake. <laughs> Um, we have cake slices, so uh, some of our favorite flavors of cake are available by the slice. And um, we also have this amazing chocolate peanut butter tort. If you're a fan mm -hmm. of, like, say, Reese's Pieces, oh, it has wow. that amazing, you know, chocolate peanut butter combination. So Yeah. Did you grow up with these great old school kind of bakeries as well? I mean, has this sort of been a passion of yours, you know, in your life? So not necessarily, but visiting bittersweet as i was growing up was 
always just such a magical experience for me. It really inspired, you know, just the beauty of everything, the the refinement, the um, just the the atmosphere of celebration really inspired me growing up. Mm. And so I, when it when the opportunity came to you know be a part of it, I was you know I jumped at the chance. Yeah. Well, congratulations on uh, the thirtieth anniversary. And keeping things, you know, growing and redefining and, uh, you know, changing and providing uh, that beauty and uh, all, all the delicious food that uh, you've been <laughs> serving all of these years. It's it's a, yeah. a bit of a landmark in Chicago, I think. And so I'm... I, I believe so. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad we could talk today and, uh, you know, remember the uh, 30th anniversary. I can't believe when, when somehow <laughs> when you put it that way to me. It's like, it can't be. I remember when it first opened. It can't be that long. <laughs> but I say that about so many things these days. <laughs> uh, congratulations on your 30th anniversary. Bittersweet uh, Pastry and uh, Cafe is, uh, before I can find it here on all my notes, give us the address that people want to stop by. Absolutely. It's at 1100, I'm sorry, <laughs> 1114 West Belmont Avenue. And so that's in the Lakeview neighborhood. It's on Belmont between Sheffield and Racine. And you can also visit our website at bittersweetpastry.com to check out our menu and uh, place your orders. Very good. Esther Griego, I appreciate you joining us. The uh, owner and managing partner of Bittersweet Pastry Shop and Cafe. Have a great Sunday, Esther. Thank you. All right, thank you. Thanks. It is 1249, and this is Dean Richards Sunday morning on WGN and uh, our food time show, Chicago Radio's only cooking and dining show. And uh, today we're talking about bakeries. Man, oh man, did we ever tap into a nerve today. Our phone line's uh, going nuts, our text line going nuts. Uh, but I still, we have a few minutes. I still would love to hear about uh, your current favorite bakeries or pastry shops or old school ones, which uh, are no longer there, but bring back a million memories. Uh, somebody from the 708 area code texted, you may have already talked about them. I just turned on your show, but please mention Roser's Bakery, now run by John Roser the Fourth. That's why I called uh, John Jr. He's actually the fourth. Uh, they gave away birthday cake gift certificates on Bozo's Grand Prize game. Uh, I remember that oh so well. I actually uh, did tell – we have mentioned uh, Rosers uh, in the, our segment here today, uh, talking about how much my mom uh, loved the special cake that they made for her for her 90th birthday. And uh, when I was thinking about it, we actually went back to Rosers – when we had uh, a memorial for my mom on what would have been her 100th birthday uh, this past January, uh, John Roser the Fourth, John Jr., as I like to call him, uh, made up a beautiful uh, cake uh, for my mom. And, you know, my mom was a baker. She, I mean, she's a fantastic cook, but she loved to bake. And she was so artistic, really I mean, she was a bookkeeper uh, in her life. You know, that was her profession. She worked in offices, but she should have been a, a, a baker. She should have worked at Bittersweet because she made the most beautiful, lovely, artistic uh, cakes and pastries uh, throughout her life. And uh, we were the lucky kids that had birthday cakes that looked like rocket ships and race cars. And for my little nieces, 
uh, talking about Barbie, the Barbie craze right now. She used to make Barbie cakes uh, for for the my nieces, um, but that's what she should have done. So she, you know, she said that no cake should ever be store bought; that it should always be homemade. Uh, but you know, for her birthday, I didn't want her making a cake for her own birthday. Although she probably would have if I would have brought it up, but. Uh, I went to Roser's Bakery and you know said I want something special for my mom's birthday, and John, uh, both John the third and fourth, uh, John Senior and Junior as I like to call them, um, made up this beautiful cake for my mom. And she took one bite and swirled it around in her mouth like a wine connoisseur, you know, examining the nuances. And she said, "This is really delicious cake." So you get an endorsement from my mom on your on your cakes that's that's something uh from her she didn't hand out uh compliments for store-bought cake very often on our text line people uh remembering jeroche bakery and elk Grove village amazing breads and cakes uh somebody remembering weber bakery oh boy that's legendary i know weber's uh kirsten's danish bakery and burr ridge their princess cake is their specialty i don't know what that is but i'm sure it's uh, lovely and delicious uh kirschbaums in western springs getting a shout out here on our text line 312-981-7200 cheryl how about you uh you got a bakery that you want to remember hi D. yeah i feel i'm an expert on this because i do presentations on chicago's sweetest bakeries oh wow in all the local libraries and uh, um, my one of my favorite is my go-to because I bring samples when I do these presentations. Is T-Chex, but it's spelled with the letter P, like in Peter. P T I C E K S. They have the most outstanding whipped cream products that you could wow. ever want. P-Chex. And everything is all natural. Where is it? It's um, it's on Narragansett, just off Archer Avenue. Okay. In Chicago. P-Chex. All right, I'm gonna check that out because I love a good whipped cream cake. Oh, they have tarts and uh, strawberry tarts, anything whipped cream they have. And actually, they won an award for the best cheesecake um, when they were on uh, Chicago's Best TV show. Oh, they yeah. went in there. Yeah, so I, I love it. I love the Chicago bakeries, and I would never eat Entenmann's or any of that ever again once you go to a family-made, family-owned bakery. There was just something very special about it. Uh, which is obviously ringing true on our text line today that's absolutely gone berserk of people remembering this. I think people have that same kind of response that you're talking about. The, you know, uh, these homemade do. products that people are having at whatever bakery they grew up with. It, they do, and I actually talk about bakeries like Dinkles that closed, and people just reminisce about their old favorite bakeries when they were a child. Yeah. In, in fact, have you heard of the Seckies on uh, Cermak in Berwyn? I haven't, no. They've been there for probably since the 1940s, and they also have a huge following. They ship their products online to anywhere across the country. Oh, so no if anybody's kidding. looking for a, a Czech bakery from their childhood, that's another source. The Seckies? Is that what you said? The Seckies? Yeah. V E S E C K Y apostrophe S. It's about 6,400 
No, sixty-eight hundred West um, Cermak Road. Uh, okay, yeah, because yeah, I've ha- I've had many mentions of that on our text line. Uh, Vasekis and Berwin is what the people are on, on the text line are saying. Yeah, they're they're a specialty, been around forever, and and people just when they when they come back to Chicago to visit. They have to go there and get some product. They have to go to Vasecki's, get some food. Exactly. That's why I think why, that's why we're so lucky in Chicago, right? That we have this great melting pot of different kinds of foods, whether it's a Czech bakery or an Italian bakery or a Greek bakery, uh, Austrian, French, you know, like uh, we were talking about with bittersweet, you know, a lot of their influences. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, from French uh, pastry chefs. We're very lucky in Chicago to have all of that here. And, and my friend lived, moved to Tampa, and she's like, don't you want to move to Tampa? And I'm like, there's no bakeries. <laughs> we are so lucky with what we have. Even the Taylor Street uh, Ferraro Bakery and oh, Scafuri yeah. Bakery. Oh, boy. I mean, yeah. they're just incredible. Yeah, boy, I'm going to have to tap into your expertise sometime on our food time show with uh, all this great knowledge you have. Oh, I would, I would love to. I mean, and my presentations are really, really popular because people like reminiscing. Yeah, I, I started out doing Kittyland, remember, and Riverview, remember. And oh, wow! Boy, their bakeries are really taking off. It is a real. I we we have learned here today. That's a, it's a real <laughs> touchstone for people. Cheryl, I appreciate your call. Have a great Sunday. Thank you. You too. Thank you you very much. Hi, Alice. You're on WGN. Oh, hi. I was just calling about all the rest time, all the bakeries that used to be in Andersonville when I was growing up. Oh, sure. Even though I was not, we had like five or six bakeries all over the place. And then this is a little side note. My grandfather was sent from the Fred Harvey restaurant in Kansas City to open the bakery at the Fred Harvey's restaurant when they opened the restaurant in 1920 in Chicago. Was that at Union Station? Yes. Yeah. Most people probably didn't, don't even know there was a Fred Harvey's restaurant, let alone a bakery I, there. I remember when, you know, occasionally you'd go pick up a relative at Union Station, at the train station, <laughs> yeah. and I would see the sign that said Fred Harvey's, and I always wondered what it was, but... You know, my I don't know my dad or somebody said, "Oh, it's a it's a fancy restaurant. We can't afford to go there." <laughs> right, and and um, his my grandmother was a Fred Harvey girl. Oh wow, that's how they met in Kansas City. Now, what did that mean to be a Fred Harvey girl? Is was that well, she was like a hostess. Uh, well, or if you ever, well, if you ever saw the movie with Judy Garland, they were like kind of like a high class waitress at these train station Fred Harvey oh, restaurants. Okay, all right. Oh, we'll have to check that, that out. Was, that was the big deal, wasn't it? When train travel was the only right. travel, there there had to be like some fancy high class joint for the movie stars to go and you know places like that. So they had to really take care of these VIPs, I guess, with Fred Harvey. Well, girls. just anyone traveling from coast to coast, right? They had to eat. You know, right. Yeah. So. Right. And if you know you wanted a, a decent meal, you, you'd have to go to some place like that. Wow, yeah. that's fascinating. That That's a great piece of Chicago history right there. I love that. Yeah. Alice, I hope you have a wonderful day today. Thank you. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. Yeah, oh boy, uh, the phone lines here, uh, people remembering Dressel's. 
and Central Bakery in Mount Prospect. Allegretti's in Norwich. I remember Allegretti's. That was great. Um, yeah, this uh, Vasecki is coming up over and over and over again on our text line. Uh, the Busy Bee Bakery, getting a lot of mentions on the line. Bernhardt's in Libertyville, lots of great mentions. Thank you all for all the wonderful memories.